Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 394. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, alongside Johnny V. We're creeping up on 400. We're creeping on a lot of things. <laughs> 400 being just one of them. Okay. Anyway, so tonight, uh, excited to have. I don't a couple... ever leave the dungeon, so I don't know what you're talking about creeping. <laughs> excited to have a couple special guests tonight. One of which is our most recent winner on the Disc Golf Pro Tour, and of course, we're talking about Valerie Mundahano. And then we're going to talk to uh, another person who's didn't win this weekend, uh, but we do want to check oh, in with because we uh... way to rub that in. <laughs> Ouch. I mean, there's a lot of non-winners this weekend. Yeah, like there's hundreds of them. 119 in that event only. Yeah. Well, so, no, in that division only. <laughs> Paul Uliberry, he's going to join us as well. It's been long overdue. Uh, we have some serious matter and some lighthearted matter and everything in between to catch up with uh, with regards to Paul. It's been a while since we've had him, and uh, I know he's got some new foundation news uh, that has been recently announced, so hopefully we can explore a little bit of that. I feel like every other week when we have a new guest, They've got a new foundation to uh, announce or talk about, and I love it. <laughs> those are those are good things to explore and to uh, talk about. And the fact that we've got disc golf ambassadors, players, champions, everything in between that are in a position to be creating foundations, to be heading them up, overseeing them, sitting on boards, things of that nature. We have come a very long way in the last few years to even have those opportunities. So really, really exciting to have both of them joining us tonight. And Valerie's going to be with us in just a few moments. Yeah, it was an exciting week. And <laughs> we got to see a lot of really cool stuff uh, on the live broadcast and, of course, post-production, however you choose to consume it. Um, we saw... You know, the continuation of Paul Macbeth's stellar play rolling right over from the memorial. You know, he he played, you know, he almost let that A.B. guy catch him <laughs> in, in Arizona, but uh, nobody was catching him in Waco. He just wire to wire, you know, he, he, he made it kind of interesting on that last round, but ultimately 
just kind of put the hammer down and decided he was going to win. It, uh, it it would have required a James Conrad-esque throw-in from Luke in order to even make Paul have to think about a shot. And things went Paul's way this time. Yeah. And there was no throw-in on 18, <laughs> but uh, ultimately Paul takes down the Waco annual charity open with uh with with some stellar play honestly yeah and as you just said our other champion in valerie had an incredible performance and uh you know she, clearly one she's, of the best shots i think we'll see all year uh, yeah and of course we'll talk about that and um yeah, just excited to get all of the updates from her. She's had a pretty crazy off season, uh, with her transitioning into a new sponsor, her and her fiance. Also, she has a fiance. Uh, <laughs> all of those things. We'll get to all Is that. Is that like in a, a DD thing? Do they just pick up <laughs> female athletes with with uh, with new uh, fiancés? Uh, I I I don't know what they're into over there, but uh, either way, <laughs> it's going to be great. We'll, we'll uh, ask Eric McCabe about that later. Yes, exactly. Um, also pretty mild day in here in the midwest and uh, you know what i was thinking about is golfers getting out that spring thaw some of the conditions that you're worried about just as always this is kind of my annual psa right around this time when i say hey if there's a course that is muddy and is a little bit torn up rather than going out and playing in it maybe just play in a field or finally pick up one of those baskets that you have in your backyard or take your basket out of your basement and bring it into your backyard. It's, it's always this interesting well, and response again, when people say, I, I want to get out and play, but the course is all muddy. Well, I'm going to go out there and play where the course is all muddy. And then you're probably going to make mm-hmm. it worse. I know True. you have an this, urge, but, and this is a, a, not strictly, but primarily a, a, a Midwest and maybe, northeastern kind of issue that we have as far as springtime and, and sure. mud and rain and tomorrow it's going to be 60 here in, in wisconsin so, so get out and destroy that grass everybody wants to get out there and play <laughs> if you feel the urge that you have to play a course try to find the least played course in your area uh, but even then as we say maybe go make an object course somewhere go yeah. find a go find a park some trees not a lot of people, please, um, and, and go do that because, as we know, um, now is the most mm, is the roughest time on these courses that you will tear up grass and destroy things, and it, that then it lasts all season and it doesn't look as good and blah blah blah. So, as Terry was saying, let's uh, let's try to treat the courses with some respect and hopefully so they can look nice the entire year, not just. If you're going to ruin your new shoes, uh, we can say we saw that coming when you go out and play in a muddy course. All right. With that, someone who performed this weekend, I think she kept her scorecard clean. She probably kept her shoes clean. Uh, I don't know. That day one was difficult to keep clean. (laughs) One way or another, she got it all done. And we're going to welcome to the show this weekend's Waco Annual Charity Open, Valerie Mandahano. Hi, Valerie. Hello. Hello. How you doing? (laughs) I'm doing well. How about you? Doing well. Um, I personally transitioned from commentating in Bend this weekend, where we had the honor of calling the shots myself, along with another Valerie, Valerie Jenkins. And uh, I think about just coming back from that, and then I think about the whirlwind that you've probably been through. What have the last 28-ish hours been like? Or Sorry, probably more like 48 hours, 48 to... 52 hours what's the last two days been like for you honestly non-stop whether <laughs> it's you know sitting in a car and driving or um being on my phone 
I feel like I've been busy and I haven't like taken a minute just to let it all hit me. Um, yeah. So like we drove to, from Waco that night, we drove back home and, uh, then that morning we all woke up and well, yeah, woke up and then, uh, dropped the RV off to the shop to get it wrapped. And then after that, it was kind of just settling all the stuff out of the RV and then like washing everything and, you know, all that good stuff and fun stuff. Um, after that was just emailing all the companies and sponsors back, giving the okays and like the logos and whatnot. Um, and then just kind of like texting everyone back that's texting me that day. I tried to text some people back, um, Sunday, but I couldn't quite get it. So Monday I kind of just sat there and just texted everyone back. Cause I didn't want them to think that I forgot about everyone. Um, and then did some field work, obviously got to get some, still, still got to get some golfing, did some field work, putted for probably a half an hour. Um, by that time it was already getting dark. And then, um, that's the time we kind of just took to sit there and just, I think we just ended up watching a movie and I fell asleep, honestly, that one day. And so that was kind of cool. Has there, is there any update to the van wrap? I mean, I'm assuming you had this plan before the weekend. <laughs> now you've got a big uh, a, a, a big title under your belt. Maybe just a little corner, like Waco Annual Charity Open winner or anything? Um, To be honest, no. I Just because I feel like this is the first one is very important, but I certainly don't want it to be the last. And then so I feel like if I end up do winning following through the year, it's kind of going to be weird just having like Waco champion. And you can always having... add to the wrap, right? Can you just <laughs> Sharpies, <laughs> stickers, who knows? So, all right. Um, okay. And then today we kind of just, yeah, it, it's just been really hectic and busy. So, of course, plenty of media obligations at the same time, I assume. Uh, I, I think I saw you were on, uh, going to be with Nick and Matt last night. Did you uh, chat with them as well? Yes, I did. That was another thing. Yeah, I did. Uh, sorry. I, I feel like I've been doing so many little things that I tend to forget. Oh, yeah. That's what I was just thinking. I think of, you know, podcast articles, sponsorship obligations, just probably a million things to take care of uh, when, when you've been crowned champion like that. What what do can we take away anything from Waco when we've seen yourself, Kona, Paige, uh, Katrina, I mean, we continue to see so many different winners. What, what do you feel like that says, if anything about Waco? Um, or maybe it says nothing. It it could, yeah, it could not say anything, but honestly, I feel like it shows we're starting off very strong because Waco is a, a tough course. It demands like every part of your game. So I feel like it shows that we put some work into the off season and it kind of paid off at that point. That's uh, one thing I've taken away from it. N- not a bad uh, 2020 debut, huh? 2022. Like, yeah. Right? I mean, because you didn't, you didn't play Vegas. You, you bypassed Vegas. So you step onto your first, would you call this your first official tour season for the pro tour? Yeah. No, you, you've, you've dabbled back and forth in a few events, I believe. But your, your very first tour event on your first touring season and you come out with a W. I mean, is there? I, I, I'd love to say, well, where do you go from here? But the, the obvious answer is more W's and string <laughs> string a few of them together. So, um, looking ahead at some of these events, you know, we've got uh, Belton coming up, but that's a Silver Series in Texas States. Um, what are you going to take from this event over to those events? That's going to help you, if not continue to win, at least continue to to 
to place and to do well. Um, what did you learn from this win? Um, this is going to sound weird, but I feel like it showed me that I'm able to win on tour in this year and last year. Like it shows me that it wasn't just like all in my head, you know, it's not something you just tell yourself like, Oh, I can win. I can win. It actually showed myself I'm able to win. I have what it takes to win. As long as I can keep pushing myself to apply the work and to continue the work and, you know, keep it as consistent as possible. Um, I can still win and I can keep winning. Do you ever feel like in the last year or two, when you've been in and out of some of our biggest events, do you feel like you ever really lacked confidence? Was that an issue for you or was it just a matter of timing and, you know, everything coming together uh, at the same time for you? Did you ever doubt yourself or, or any of the skills or what you were out there doing? Uh, I wouldn't say I lacked confidence and I think it was just more, trying to balance being humbled and then also like being confident. I didn't want to be overconfident and say like, well, I'm going to win every event I show up to. So I, I just wanted to put myself in a place where I knew the chances I had, like I knew I could win, but it's another thing to actually do it. It showed me like, it gave me an extra confidence boost showing what I could do what I'm capable of. You know, we all know that we're capable of many things, but once we do it, it surprises all of us and it opens, I feel like, a next level of achievement. We, I'm, I'm going to jump right to the meat of, of, of the uh, the interview and talk about Hole 17. Um, there's a, a lot of people are pulling parallels from last year at the Throw Pink. You got to Hole 17 and you, you had an unfortunate hole, very, very difficult, ended up taking you out of contention you walk up to the second shot on hole 17 and it's, I mean, there are parallels. It's kind of an Island hole. I mean, you can't go right. You can't go left. There's nothing short, thankfully. Um, and, and you parked it. You literally, you were what? 12, 14 feet away. Were you thinking about throw pink at all? Or, or is that just not even in your head? Are you just thinking my next throw is my yellow getaway right up the gut in the crosswind? Um, honestly, I didn't think on that hole, I didn't think anything of throw pink. I mean, the starting of the year, yes, I thought a lot about that. And that's kind of some point what kept me going where I was like, I'm not going to let this be another throw pink, I guess, starting Waco. But as of stepping up into that hole, I was not thinking of throw pink. I was thinking clearly of the shot. I was like, what do I want from the shot? What can I do? What's my, I guess, highest percentage on staying in balance. And I felt like laying up wasn't an option just because laying up was as high as going out <laughs> as of going for the shot. Like I could literally throw a forehand and go be left or right. It just depend on the wind or the shot. And so in my mind, I thought about let's just get in line with the basket. So even if I skip out left OB, I'll have a par putt. That was my thought. And I was like, best case scenario, park it. Worst case scenario, I have a par putt. Yeah, and so it's it, fair to say that it, had you gone either deep of the basket or maybe left of the basket, you were just hoping to gain as much ground as possible. And if you went OB, you went OB. I mean, that was certainly in your mind as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Now, I, and I know this is going to sound weird being hindsight 2020 and, it, and you pulled it off the way you did, but did you envision the disc flipping the way it did and then coming back exactly the way it did? Or did you just throw it and, you know, you, you threw it well, but 
you were like, oh, wherever it lands, it lands? Or did you really envision like that much turn and then have it fight back that much at the end? Was it perfectly envisioned? Honestly, yes. That's okay. everything I thought it could happen. <laughs> and again, it could have went either way. It could have, you know, gotten really stable and gotten a wind gust and then just went OB or it could have flipped and gotten a real strong wind gust. But everything I felt like was just like a perfect time or a perfect re- uh, wood read. Yeah, so. it's uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the follow up to that then is we place you right there and you throw we give you that yellow, that same exact getaway and we have you throw that 10 more times. How many times are you getting it that close again? Honestly, I'd like to say nine out of 10. <laughs> OK, perfect. OK. Yeah. I mean, All that's... right. You got a dial. I like it. Now, yeah. you were just talking about the scenario, the scoring and what you thought could or couldn't happen or what you probably needed to happen. What was going through your mind with relation to Kristen and either how she was playing, what she was doing, the scoring she was doing? Are you paying at any attention to her and her game at all, or are you 100% focused on what you're doing? The entire, we'll say um, no. starting on hold nine or 10 forward. Um, I wasn't paying attention to her game at all up until 15, I believe. I think it was 15. Okay. I checked scores. And I saw, I think I had a three-stroke lead, but then she went, I knew I had a three-stroke lead, and then she went birdie, birdie on (laughs) 15 and 16. Yep, I believe that was it. And Mm -hmm. so it brought it down back to one, going into 17. I made the comment to Mason, and I was like, well, there goes two strokes, now one to go, right? And, you know, (laughs) just being salty at myself for letting it happen. And he was just like, no, don't think that way. Like, the minute you think that way, the minute, you know, there is a chance of losing, like, don't put that stuff in your head like don't have that mindset and I thought about it I was like you know what you're right I was like anything can happen at 17 just because I'm walking up to 17 with a one stroke lead doesn't mean I'm going to win but me walking up to one uh, 17 with a one stroke lead doesn't mean I'm going to lose and I was like you know this whole is about strategy and I'd have to have two good drives to win and that was kind of my mindset going into it I was like okay shot for shot let me just throw the first one inbounds that was my mindset going into it um, the wind pushed it a little too far than what I'm comfortable with, but I was like, okay, um, I landed in bounds. And then I saw, uh, what Christians did hers, like got lifted and smacked a bush and then fell down. And I was like, okay, well she could still par easily up and down from there, you know? Um, and that's kind of what the mindset I had. I was like, even if she pars, even if I par, I still have a one stroke lead going into 18. Oh. <laughs> I also, I guess, well, first, I guess the very first follow up to that is, Every relationship, caddy and and player, uh, husband, wife, fiance, whatever the the scenario is, every single relationship has a slightly different way that they strategize or communicate mm-hmm. or communicate. Yeah, on the course with regard to scoring. I mean, and I I think I've heard almost every, you know everything on on both extremes from you know you have no idea what the scores are and I'm not telling you all the way to like hey here's every single stroke that you need to worry about and everywhere in between. What's the general philosophy between yourself and Mason? And is it is it different with you to him versus you him to you? Do you guys have any? Is there any difference in strategies? Uh yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> so like yeah, um, I feel like when I'm walking with him. I'm kind of just like there for support. Uh, he'll ask me for certain shots and that's uh-huh. just to give him like an extra boost. Like he'll be like, well, what do you think? Because then at that point I feel like he really needs my help and then I'll give him my opinion. And then, um, yeah, it's kind of more of a comfort thing. I feel like when we have each other, 
just because we can describe or ask for the shots and then you know somebody giving you a, a second opinion on the thought you already had is like okay a little more um confidence into that shot and i feel like mm -hmm. that's what i give him and uh sometimes he does what i did on, on walking into 17 we get a little too frustrated with ourselves, and we kind of just need our, somebody else to like get us out of that position like hey you know what that's not the it's not you it's not the mindset you had this whole round so kind of shake it off and i feel like that's what i help him with a lot is just um kind of keeping his attitude a little less feisty at times because we <laughs> we both are hard on each other or not on each other sorry on ourselves so we tend to pull each other out of that but i feel like with mason and me we're more just we strategize here and there um depending i think really on the course like i'll just again ask him like hey what do you think of this shot if i like I'm kind of just second guessing things. I'll ask him like, well, what do you think I should throw here? Just to see if he's going to say what I'm already thinking. And the minute he'll say, well, I'm thinking this shot. I'm like, okay, perfect. I was thinking that shot too. So now I'm really going to throw that shot. And I'll kind of just ask him for like advice about like certain percentages. Okay. I, and I love all that insight. And then I'll follow that up and ask, what about scoring? Do you guys, are you guys usually pretty open about, you know, what score someone's at or what you feel like you need to do for a score? How do you guys communicate with regards to scoring? Um, with scoring, I don't ever like tell him unless he asks me where he wants to be at in score or if somebody's making a move, then he'll ask me like, what do scores look like? And okay. then I'll, I'll pull up the scores. I'm like, okay, well, this is what scores look like. Or he'll ask me like, well, what do I need to do to get to first? And I'll tell them, like, well, this person's at this number and this many holes, stuff like that. Um, as far as me, he'll ask me, like, okay, when do you want me to give you, like, a checkup on scores? Because I normally don't look at scores. I just mm -hmm. pay mine to my own score. Um, and I'll tell him, like, okay, well, every three holes, give me a reminder on what scores are looking like. Or at, it, it depends on which tournament. There's times where I'm just like, you know, let me know if somebody's making a move on the field, like if somebody's really killing the course. Or let me know if I'm really, like – playing bad where i'm out of it <laughs> so did you know so that kinda, did you know that cat was killing the course like did he kind of tell you like uh, oh hey like cat from the fifth card it, it, is making a move she's she's kind of making a move shooting the course record right now um i assumed because i heard him and own talking about it <laughs> mm. uh they had the phone own's like no you don't look at this go over there and i was just like <laughs> okay I can see Owen smacking then, a phone out of somebody's hand. The, yeah, the she, she just like hit it from me and she's like, yeah, no, don't look at this. Go over there. And she's like, you don't need to worry about this. Okay. And I kind of just give Mason like this nod, like, what's up? <laughs> and he's just like, uh, he's like, yeah, Katrina's shooting pretty well right now. And he's like, do you want to know what it is? And I'm like, well, is it anything to like really catch me right now? And he was just like, well, not if you're at the pace that you're at right now, you'll be fine. Okay. And so I was like, okay, perfect. I don't need to know then. It is, I mean, we all know own everyone loves own yeah. she feels like she's just everybody's i don't call her her mom but like everybody's helper on the course like like she's, cheerleader she's everyone's cheerleader she seems to always be you know have everyone's best interest in mind is that what you get from her as well or yeah for sure she's super sweet um i love own i love playing with her <laughs> every time i play with her she always get she's always excited to play with us or even see us there's times where um, if the round gets serious, like if it's the second round, she'll always ask us, like, so are we being serious? Or are we talking today? Like, are we having fun today? <laughs> Just to <laughs> so, like, set the, the tone. Will, will, yeah, to set the tone, like, she'll ask, and I'll be like, oh, oh I want to play good today, so I think I need a little extra focus because I didn't quite focus on these shots yesterday. And she's like, okay, perfect. 
I got this. <laughs> She's super sweet. That that's so like her too. Just to think, like, okay, maybe I need to tone it back a little with you know this jovial nature because you guys all know. Some days when things are going well, yeah, everyone's out there having a good time, high fiving and laughing and you know and yeah. chuckling along. And some days you just might be like, hey, yeah, why don't you take your enthusiasm elsewhere? I'm I'm trying to uh, get focused I mean, if on it's my day own. Day three and you're all on the fifth card. It's way different than if you're day three and you're all on the lead card. Yeah, I mean that's a yeah. that's a completely different scenario. And uh, I'm sure would, <laughs> I'm sure it would be different from Owen's perspective if she were in your shoes as well. So uh, yes. yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, the one question, if I were out there, and so now I, I am glad I get to ask it. You, so many of our players, when there's a big event, there it's not an asterisk, but so many people have been like, yeah, yeah, but the Europeans aren't here. That's been unfortunately kind of the big default, and 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 in their credit, three of the top players in the world are, uh, you know, haven't been at a lot of our events over the last couple of years. I get it. You know, being obviously Henna, Evelina, and Kristen. I get it. So my real question to you would be, everybody was here. Everybody. In the FPO division. And you bested them all. Five-time world champ. Two-time world champ. Top-rated women in the world. The Europeans. You literally bested all of the best women in the world. What does that mean to you? It honestly just means a lot of my hard work has paid off that's really what i think about i don't think about like oh i beat this player or, oh you know this player's ranked here or you know oh this player you know played this well or i i really don't think about any of that i just think about like i my work actually paid off like i didn't make a devastating mistake or i didn't put myself in this po- position and uh that's really what i think about i don't really think about like I beat all these players or, you know, how you said the Europeans are here. So now I beat them. No, I enjoy playing with them a lot. Like I, I mentioned this to um, the Nick and Mad show. Like I think part of it was me having such a well-rounded card. Like we were all competitive, but we all treat each other on at the same point. You know, it wasn't like, Oh, she hit a tree. Now I can catch one. It was never that it was always like, dang, she hit a tree. Now she has to scramble from here. You know, I want to play with somebody or I want to win when they're playing the best golf that they possibly can. I don't want to ever want to win because somebody's struggling. Yeah, and I can appreciate that. As you say, um, you don't think about beating them uh, necessarily or that so-and-so was there or not. But there's there's just no doubt. And I guess that's what I take home. And maybe that's just from the media perspective. I take home that, you know, this wasn't a, a skewed field. This wasn't a partial field. This wasn't. You know, there's there's just no we'll say this fluke is, about it. This like, is as it close was, to the world championship caliber uh, lineup that you're going to see. I yeah. think all year. I think all year we're going to see this. It's not like it used to be where you know you get some people mm-hmm. coming and some people going. We're gonna, we've got a tour now, and the tour, the world championships. While it's everyone treats it bigger, is part of the tour, and I think we're going to see all these women, you know, continue to just move on. Y- yeah, and as. Yeah, I, I just think it was uh, so incredible. And then, uh, how do you, I mean, you just said you like playing with the European women. Um, is there anything you've picked up or taken or have been surprised by? Or what would you take away if you had to describe it to somebody and say, uh, playing with the, the three European women that are here, it feels like blank? What would you insert there? It feels like 
like a professional sport. I'm going to say like, you know, okay. we, we go prior to the years where a lot of people felt like this wasn't like a, a professional sport. They really carry, you know, disc golf at the top level of a top sport. <laughs> like they're very professional, but they're also, you know, really polite with things, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I I think about as you just said, you enjoy playing with them, but you enjoy beating them even more, probably. Well, so. I mean, uh, what 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 do you feel like has stopped you or prevented or held you back from winning an event prior to this? You've won eight tiers, and and I'm not taking any. What what's what has prevented you from winning on the pro tour prior to this weekend? I think the knowledge of actually being on the tour for a couple of years, like that was my first year last year. So I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't know, you know, how to feel at certain moments or, you know, how to even like act or meaning like playing with certain women. It's like, do you, are you professional here or are we playing? Like how Owen said, like stuff like that. I didn't know. So she's been on tour. So she's known long enough to ask that question to me. Um, at times I can joke around with somebody thinking, oh, it's just going to be a fun round. But in their mind, it's, you know, go time. So I think really just learning now what the ins and outs of, of touring is like, you know, us having an RV, it's comfortable now, not just jumping from hotel to hotel where it doesn't feel homey. You just always feel like a stranger in somebody's house. So now being having an RV, it makes it feel like a little home away from home. So in a way, it's just getting comfortable really just on tour, just knowing the ins and outs of touring. And I guess we'll follow that up with explain to the world in in case they don't follow along your socials. What exactly does this year look like in terms of not only events you're maybe hitting up, but um, who are you traveling with? And then describe, you know, it may be a little more in depth RV life as opposed to van life or camper life. Uh, Break it all down for everybody. Yeah, so I'll pretty much be playing the whole pro tour events and I don't think I'll be playing Masters, uh, Masters Cup. Okay, yep. That's the only event I, I believe I'll be missing. But um, I'll be playing the next swing all the way up until DDO, and then I'll be coming home for at least a week or two. And then we'll be flying out to OTB, be playing all the way up into Portland, and then coming back home, flying back home, and then um, getting the RV and going on to the next swing as of that. Um, yeah, so who will be touring with us is me – Mason and Alexis. My dad will be picking and choosing on what events he comes to. Um, my mom, unfortunately, will not be touring with us this year. Okay. And then you just mentioned RV. You know, obviously, we've seen this huge influx in vans. Uh, we've seen some vehicles, some, you know, cars and or uh, other minivans uh, done up into uh, tour vehicles. Uh, what exa- What did you go with and what chose you? What? Oh, my God. Words are tough tonight. Jeepers what scary. did you go with <laughs> and why did you choose the route you went? Um, the RV was always in like mine and Alexis's like vision for disc golf. Um, just because it's always spacious and we're around our family a lot. We wanted our family to come and tour with us the first year, of course, or hopefully it was a couple of years just because we're super close to our family and, uh, uh-huh. It was a great experience how we started disc golf with them. We wanted to continue that journey. So we always thought like, well, RV is going to do the job as in comfortability level. Um, so that was really the route why we wanted to go in RV, which I'm really glad we did because the van would be way too small. Even I think for me and Mason, if we decided to tour on our own, it's just too small for us. Um, we're just used to a lot more space. And uh, I don't know, an RV is, like I said, it's just like a smaller home away from home. Uh, I just, I really enjoy being able to have our own space, you know, like 
if we had a bad day on the course, you know, somebody can go in the back and close the door and there's an actual room back there. So it's not like it's all open and we see each other and we're just all like frustrated as a hotel room where, you know, you see, I can see Mason across the room if we're having a spat or Alexis and I, you know, <laughs> at least in an RV, we have our separation. <laughs> you and Mason have a spat. That doesn't sound, I, I can't even see that. I can't imagine that. Uh, so it would you, probably because he told me something about the course or something. Like that. <laughs> he told you, he, you wanted to throw one shot, asked him a suggestion. He's like, no, I really think you should go with the forehand here. And you're like, mm, yeah, probably. It would probably be something like that. Guess what? You're wrong, Mason. All yeah. right. You're wrong. Uh, <laughs> now, now you just literally just pull out the trophy. Be like, what was that? Yeah. I, so I can't well hear you. Uh, this is like uh, water under this bridge. You know, the bridge, the trophy, you didn't win, Mason. I got this. Quiet down. Uh, you can always throw that up. Now, you guys were also part of a lot of different people that shifted this year. We, you know, going lots of different sponsorships uh, all over the place. But you guys made a transition uh, during this offseason. Break that down a little bit for us. What what prompted you guys? Uh, you guys both were with Innova, and then we saw you sign with DD. How did that come about? Um. Honestly, I, I just feel like some people grow out of things, and that's kind of what happened with Innova. We just grew out of Innova. Okay. Um, Didi reached out to us. You know, he re- they reached out to Mason first, and like I believe it was after USCGC, and uh, he was talking about them about the offer that they gave him, and then they were just kind of going into details about the contracts. And I was just kind of there on the sideline, just like listening and like giving my opinion about things. And then uh, then D- Eric reached out to me, and uh, he was like, "Well, what do you think about like going to Didi?" And I was just like, I don't know. I'm like, um, we'll see, I guess we'll talk. But I didn't think he was really serious about it. And then he kept pursuing it. And he's like, well, let's, let's talk. Let's have a call. And then, you know, he called me and there were some things I was concerned about. And uh, he answered the questions really instantly. And he was just like, you know, I could say yes and no right now for a bunch of questions that you have. I don't have to go through, you know, I mean, another boss to get to you to those answers. And so, I, which I really liked because, you know, I can ask Eric anything on the spot and he can give me the yes and no to the answers, um, or the questions, excuse me. And, uh, yeah, he, he kind of just gave me this like plan and everything that, you know, they have planned for me and like the opportunities I have in DD. So I really was interested and I was like, okay, like, let's talk more about it. And so really it came down to the opportunity. They gave me an opportunity to grow more as a player. And then, and I don't want you to fully speak for Mason, that this interview is not necessarily about him, but it's kind of similar, uh, similar sentiment unfold on Mason's side too. I mean, and would it have been weird for one of you to be sponsored or not? I mean, did that, was that part of the conversation? Not at all. I I feel like sponsorships, disc golf, that's where we draw the line where that's our, basically our work Mm. uh, space. So we don't bring that into our family. Like, or into our house, you know, it's the same thing. Like me and Alexis, a lot of people ask that for years. Like, mm-hmm. well, is there a conflict that you guys will be sponsored with different people? And this was from day one. We were sponsored with opposite sponsors. And like I told him, I was like, no, this is our workspace. Like we'll draw the line as soon as we get to the car. You know, we just leave that there. Um, he, I mean, if DD was the better choice for him and not me, I would have still supported him to go to that offer. It seems to have worked for you. I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> new discs, <laughs> new win. I, I mean, what were some of the adjustments that you did have to make uh, in terms of switching sponsors and switching up your bag and, and anything else that you had to adapt to 
what was that transition like for you? Honestly, um, it, I think the hardest part was them having so many options on this <laughs> where it was like, okay, I have three different companies to choose from. You know, they all have that same flight, different moldish kind of disc. So like, which one do I want in my bag? Which one feels more comfortable? And that's where Mason really stepped in. And he was like, he knows a lot about disc. It's insane. Um, so he was like, well, this disc is going to fly like this. And this is going to do this. And so that's where he really helped me. And he kind of just built my bag along with me. He was just like, this is the disc that's going to replace this. This is going to fly like this. Like this can better your shot, you know, stuff like that. And he kind of just set this bag and he was like, well, let's tweak it. What do you feel like you want out of it? Is there something you're missing? Is there something, you know, you feel like you need? And that's kind of what we just talked about the whole off season was um, every time I threw a disc, he's like, well, what does it fly like? Does it move up in a slot? Does it need to move down? Are you missing a slot? Like, what do we need? And so he was really pushing in that um, department, I guess you can call it, in the bag change. And then uh, just for everyone out there, we obviously heard what the yellow disc is. But give us some of your main workhorses uh, for what you were throwing primarily this weekend, your putters, mids, so on and so forth. What's kind of generally in your bag week in and week out? Um, I putt with the classic Judge Burst Plastic. Okay, I really like those. Those are super straight for me. And then as in mid-ranges, I threw the – what is it? I'm trying to think of the plastic. Sorry, there's like I said, there's so many plastics. Uh, the the fusing Goldline X. Okay. Um, I threw that a lot, and then I threw the Truth a lot, the Emac okay. Truth, and then I threw the Trust a lot in mid ranges. Um, for putters, I threw the Moonshine Warden a lot. That's the pink disc. I, I know there's so many different colors that I thought about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I threw a a bluish disc, the putter. It's a pure, and that's Christian's. It's a Goldline X. Okay. And then uh, as in drivers, I threw the Ballista Pro quite a bit in the wind. And then I also threw the, what is it? The Sheriff a lot. Okay. And the yellow one again was? The getaway. Yeah, that was (laughs) a lot of my shots, actually. I didn't realize how many times I threw it until (laughs) I went back to write my disc for the video, to write my disc lineup. And I was like, wow, I threw it quite a bit, actually. Uh, Does that that help you? I mean... going back for post because what she's talking about is for post-production uh, i think the gk pro guys yes. usually usually ask like hey this is does that help you look at a list and be like wow i, I guess i really do rely on this disc or oh man i didn't really throw this disc at all it doesn't really need to be in my bag do you ever does does that equate to anything for you or is it just the course but does your or does your bag change based on courses uh, my bag definitely changes based off of courses um that did actually help me realize how many discs I actually threw and how many discs I didn't throw in my bag. But that's kind of Mason, that like sheet that I write on, that's basically what Mason does for me. He like, I'm, I'm telling you, he has a memory. It's, it's, he has a great memory. I don't. So like, <laughs> we'll go play a practice round and I'll tell him like, I need this disc in my bag. And he's like, well, you didn't throw it at all at this course. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Yes, I did. I threw it in this one shot. He's like, no, you didn't. And I'll sit there and think about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I didn't throw it in that shot. And so okay. he's like, yeah, you don't need this disc. You need this disc. Let's swap the slot out. Uh, so I'm thinking back to so many successes that we've seen at various worlds, junior worlds and, and am worlds that you guys have been at. And I've seen you and your sister now going back to when, when were some of the first times you guys were competing at world championships? Oof. What, what years were those? <laughs> 
My memory is not the best, but I'd have <laughs> okay. to say like 2015. <laughs> okay, like uh, like Michigan, maybe 20, 2015, t- sometime around then. Oh, maybe yeah, it was 2014. 14? I think it was in Minnesota. Well, okay, we, you, okay. That it could be that one. I don't recall. I know we followed a couple of groups around live uh, in 2014 at Amworlds. That was the one Vanessa Van Dyken uh, won on the on the women's side. Um, but I've seen you guys, you know, compete and grow up through uh, disc golf through so many years now. But it's kind of now funny to think. Not only is this your full time job and you're touring and you're professionals, you're winning at the highest level. But if it weren't disc golf. What do you feel like you or your sister or Mason? What, what, would, what do you feel like you guys would be doing career-wise if it weren't for disc golf? Oh, I think I think about this actually quite a bit. Um, so I personally, I always wanted to be a professional athlete. It was, okay. I was always into soccer before disc golf. I actually had to stop playing soccer because of disc golf. So I was like, I need to focus more time on disc golf. Um, but yeah, I always wanted to be a professional soccer player. And if that didn't work, as I got older, I wanted to be a fitness trainer. Okay. So um, that was something I would like to have done. And then Alexis was pretty much on the same boat. We played soccer um, pretty much together most of the time. And then she said a personal trainer. And then she also wanted to, what is it? Um, I'm trying to think. I can't remember this one. There was one more thing where she said that she wanted to be, but I can't remember what, what it is right now. Um, I know Mason, he, he almost got a scholarship for running back in, I think his high school days, but, hmm. um, it didn't work out. And then he was a vet tech actually before disc golf. Wow. Okay. So, so he uh, probably would have just pursued that. Uh, yeah. And we see often, uh, you know, I, I know that you guys have gone through various training regimens, like you saying fitness trainer, uh, same with Alexis obviously does not surprise me because, oh, during a lot of our off seasons and even sometimes I feel like during the season, uh, you guys posting about going to the gym, working out together. That seems like a very common theme. Do you guys do that? Will you do that throughout the entire year? Or do you feel like that's more of an off season, uh, routine and then you, you know, take it a little easier during the actual season of play? What's, what will be your strategy moving forward? Um, I want to go to the gym on the on season as well. So okay. I want to at least go to the gym on the practice days that we have, even if the term- tournament days is kind of like our off day. Um, okay. That's something that's new to us. So we're all going to see how that goes. There might be days where we're too tired to go just because of the courses. It might be a little longer than normal, but um, it is definitely something I want to keep up. I know we all talked about it. And we all said we would like to keep up going to the gym just because it could help us now and in the long run. So we're not so like out of shape going into the off season. We're working that, uh, intolerance back up. Yeah. And I feel like, I, I mean, the three of you, you it, there's likely support always system. somebody, yeah, the support system of even if one person's like, eh, I'm good tonight, I'm going to eat ice cream. And the other one's like, no, oh, no, I'll go with you. And hopefully you'll always have that support system. Do you ever feel like there's any, I don't want to call it pressure. Well, I'll say pressures, any kind of annoyances or pressures or challenges with the fact that it's going to be three of you on the road together. I mean, I know um, you said there's separation, but you guys get along pretty well. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we get along a lot more than we don't. If we don't get along, it's just because somebody's like in a mood or it's just not having, they're just not having the best day. Um, the good thing is we all, we're all pretty close. So when one of us is like out having fun and the other one isn't, it's kind of like, dang, I wish that person was here with me right now. But 
that's just the way we are. We all like travel in a pack pretty much. Um, if one of us wants to go and do something fun, we're just asking the other two, like, Hey, what do you think of this idea to go? It could be simple as hiking or just like, okay, uh, I want to go hiking. Do you guys want to go? And if somebody's not feeling to go walk, you know, hundred degree hike, um, we're just like, well, maybe not today. What if we, you know, we're scheduled for tomorrow. How does that sound? We'll kind of just work around each other. Wow, that sounds awfully mature of you guys. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be, be so easy. <laughs> Let's do an I tour and see how that works. Yeah, that lasts about one, about one weekend, and I'd, I'd be sick of this guy. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'd go as far as saying I, I believe there's even a, an event or two. It might have been as recently as last year. Uh, I think we saw Mason caddying for Alexis, and that's like not necessarily a big deal. Uh, cause you guys all know each other's games and you're always there as like this support mechanism and network, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were all friends at once upon a time before me and Mason started dating, you know, and once I started dating Mason and Alexis, I feel like got even closer. So their relationship is like a best friend or a brother and sister, some say. So I feel like it's kind of odd when people like look at us and scratch their head, like, well, why is Mason caddying for Alexis or why is Alexis caddying for Mason? I mean, I don't feel like it's weird at all. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm happy that, you know, my sister, which is my best friend, is close to my fiance now. So, I mean, I personally love it. I love how close their relationship is. It just makes us, like you said, traveling so much easier because we all get to understand each other. Yeah. Does Mason just caddy for whoever's... uh higher up on the on the scoreboard at any given particular time like yeah what, like what, if, what like if she's that? on the lead card and you're on maybe the second or third card is he gonna be like well i'm gonna go caddy for uh... I, I want that 10 percent over there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no not at all i think it's really depending on the mood whoever is sure. like okay you know i'd like you know if you can come and caddy for me would you be down or if somebody obviously is like having a spot, they're like, yeah, I don't want you in my car. And it's vice versa. <laughs> if Mason's playing and if, you know, one of us is having a, a rough day, we're just kind of like, okay, I'm going to walk or I'm going to go sit in the RV or, you know, I'll, I'll stay from a distance. So like sometimes I'll just stay off into the distance and then Alexis will go caddy for Mason. Or I just feel like at times he might be more comfortable with Alexis caddying for him because there'll be courses where they understand each other more and they're just like, yeah, this works. And I'm just like, no, I don't get how you guys are planning on going for that shot. I feel like this is the shot. So there's times where um, they just see eye to eye. Uh, makes sense. And now uh, engagement was relatively recent, just in the last month or so, correct? Yeah, it was the ending of February. And uh, well, is there a story that you can share with everyone or no? Was that a... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not anything like a secret. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> um, we were planning on going on this hike. It was supposed to be like, me, Alexis, obviously, uh, Mason, her boyfriend, he's in the Air Force, and he had a uh, leave for a month. So he was going to be here around this time, and Mason was talking about this hike for the longest that he found. And so we were all like, okay, well, we'll plan it for this month. So we set a date on planning it. Well, I didn't think it was an actual date. I thought it was just like, okay, well, around this time. Um, and then my cousin actually flew in around that time. Uh, my little brother wanted to go on the hike, which I was really surprised on. <laughs> and then um, Alexis's boyfriend's sister came into town to see him. So she went to go too. And I was like, okay, this is cool. So I started inviting people myself. I asked my older <laughs> sister to come and she was just like, oh, I can't make it. So we're hiking up this, I felt like it was a mountain, to be honest. It was very <laughs> steep. And I was complaining the whole way. I felt bad. I was just like, are we done? Can we turn around? And they're He's just like, like almost, no, we're, we're almost up there. <laughs> yeah. 
and it was cold. So I was like, okay, we're not going to actually go to this trail. And once Mason was like, yeah, Alexis really wants to go. I was like, okay, well, I'll do it. I'll just do it. And so once we were there, I was complaining the whole way. We went up, went back down. And then Mason's like, I want to get to this pond because he's huge in fishing. So that's what I thought it was about, was seeing some fish. Mm-hmm. And so as we were walking to this pond, I was like, all right, we saw it. Let's turn around. And he's like, no, we're going to walk around it. And so I was just like, oh, wow, he really wants to see these fish. And so, uh, <laughs> he just wants the best catch. That's what it is. Go yeah. on. And then so we finally got to this spot. And uh, my cousin was like, hey, you and Mason take a picture right here because the rocks are right behind it. And I was like, okay, perfect. Mason looks at me, puts his head down, and starts walking to the, the woods. And I was like, uh, I guess not. And so I was just like, I think he's in a bad mood. Yeah, maybe not. I'll take a picture by myself. And so I kind of just stood there and I was like, okay. He's like, oh, turn around. Act like you're looking at the the tree or not the tree, excuse me, the rock. And I thought he went to go use the bathroom. So I was just like, okay, this will be some good Instagram photos. And then I turn around and Mason comes out and he pulls out the box out of his pocket. And he's just like, uh, Val. And I was just like, oh, shoot. And I was like, this is happening now. And then he's like, um, then that's when he just started talking and asking me. And then he went down on one knee and he just popped the question. I was like, yeah, I didn't even say yes. I felt so bad. I said, yeah, I was so like stunned in the moment where I was like, yeah, I will. So <laughs> everybody knew, but you I was like, yeah, everyone knew. <laughs> uh, my sister said she hid the, the ring inside his backpack and I had the water in there. I had water and like hand warmers in there. Uh-oh. And so I actually went in to grab hand uh, warmers and she's like, Val, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm just grabbing some hand warmers. She's like, yeah, they're in the bottom of the bag. And I was like, oh, okay. So I just pulled them out and <sighs> she grabbed it and put it in her little fanny pack and then slipped it back into his bag. And that's what he went to the woods to go and grab. Oh my, you almost, you almost ruined it. <laughs> yeah, that's... that's what she told me. She's like, you could have ruined it. What's the matter with you? I'm like, how was I supposed to know? You weren't. Yeah, good point. Oh. Now, do now, so now that, it, congratulations, of course. So now that it all happened, did, did all these other people, did it become that much more obvious? Were you like, oh, that's why, you know, there was that many more people that were here? Yeah, for sure. I okay. was like, I started asking questions after that because I was like, I'm normally <laughs> the planner in the family. <laughs> Anybody that needs anything planned, I plan it. And so I was just like, well, how did you guys pull this off? Like, how didn't I know? And then um, Mason was like, yeah, me and Alexis planned it for like a month already. And I was like, okay. I was like, so you planned for, to go to that spot? He's like, yeah. He said, like, I knew when I was going to do it. We planned it the minute we got off a tour. He's like, I was already thinking about it on tour. So I started talking to Alexis after tour. And I was like, oh, shoot, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I just didn't know where I wanted it done. Or he's like, I already had a date in my mind, but I just didn't know where. And he's like, once I found that spot, I was like, oh, this would be perfect. And you wouldn't expect it. And so I was like, okay. And so I started asking. I was like, well, is that why this person came? Is that why, you know, they came? And they were like, yeah, they all wanted to see it. So I was like, okay. Makes wow. sense. That is awesome. Uh, job well done by uh, your sister and Mason and everybody else whole involved. whole family keeping it secret. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty incredible. Uh, and did it make you think twice about your complaining on the way up, maybe? <laughs> oh, I apologize after that. I was like, I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm like, I complained the whole way. Uh, and to be fair, you didn't know. And if that's how you were feeling, it was, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, things weren't going awesome on the way up. I mean, that's not your fault if that's how you really felt. But uh sounds like a pretty uh, awesome story. So is there, dare we ask, is there a big date set? 
not a date really we're we decided we wanted more time before we wanted to start planning um again this is our second year in tour so we don't want to be you know worried about wedding planning right now we both agreed to like push it until at least like 2023 2024 we'll have the wedding set so we want some time right now just to focus on this year of uh, just playing and competing awesome do you do you feel there's uh, good i was gonna say a stigma but that i feel like automatically implies something negative uh uh, what are the pros and cons to being a a couple you know engaged or otherwise to being a couple on tour what what do you feel i I think i think the pros are maybe a little more obvious what would you say the the cons are (laughs) if any um i think i think if you're playing there's not really cons like me and him being able Mm. to play and this is our job so we understand each other more rather than not because like he understands when i want to go and play more golf because you know something feels off in my throat so he's not questioning when he wants to let's say go see um go sightseeing or go on another hike because he really enjoys hiking um he understands why i wouldn't want to go and he's like all right i respect that like let's go to the course if you feel like something's off i'll sit there i'll help you if you need me to help you if not i'll just sit there with you um so he's really supportive we're both understanding how it feels to be in the other person's shoes um i feel like if you're one player on the road it's very hard to have you know a partner just because like i said it's hard to understand them but not only that if you're not traveling with them you're also going to miss them a lot because disc golf isn't just like a week you know it's been on the road for eight months so that's where i feel like it gets very difficult and it sounds like you guys have already established that you really like i'll say a a work life balance or a work slash other or work non-work balance uh, how how much thought have you put into that? Or is that just something you arrived at naturally? I, I mean, have you realized from an early uh, stage here that, hey, I, I can't, we're not just going to disc golf seven days a week, you know, 12 hours a day. Uh, you know, what, yeah, how, how did you guys arrive at the balance that you have? Um, I feel like as we went into dating, we kind of just seen what worked, what didn't work for us. If something didn't work, it was really just talking about it and figuring it out. And just understanding both of our points to each other. Like, hey, you know, you don't see what it feels like to be in my shoes. Like, this is what I feel. You know, just explaining ourselves and having communication, I think, was really the important thing of our relationship. Because in the beginning, it was like, oh, well, I don't want to say this to hurt their feelings. You know, if they're saying something that offends me. Um, me, I was like, I'm going to say it right away. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I was like, <laughs> I need to talk about it. Like, the more bottled up I feel, I, I just, it doesn't feel right because I'm, I just don't like to be mad at him if he doesn't know what he's doing to make me upset. So I'm like, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, just tell me so I know what to do to fix it. So that way we can just move on. And that's how he is. So we're both very honest in that um, department. But I feel like it was just a lot of talking and understanding each other. Again, it sounds like you're wise beyond your years. If you, if your uh, communication is that open and upfront already and, just, uh, you know, cuts through probably a lot of other frustrations or, or games or, or challenges that many other people continue to deal with. So uh, it, yeah. that, that's awesome to see and hear that you already um, have arrived at some of those conclusions. Um, I, I know you touched on it, but this year looks pretty straightforward in terms of your hitting almost everything. You said you might miss uh, Masters, Masters Cup. Cup, which I think is a silver series this year. Uh, what What would you say is the the event or area or swing is there anything in particular that you're really looking forward to in terms of the tour and the tour life this year honestly probably portland portland i like 
I don't know. I always like the courses. I've always seen them in videos, and I got to play the Portland Open last year. Okay. But um, that's probably the swing I'm most looking forward to, just because I felt like I couldn't throw that far before, and I still can't throw that far now. But I just feel like I can improve in consistency and driving, so I'm really um, looking forward to how I improve this year. Okay. Uh, and then going again back, I, I guess, with, as you say, improvements, is there anything that you're really – not comfortable with whether it's dis and or throws is there anything that you know tomorrow when you wake up you're like you know what i still don't have blank dialed in is there any part of your game that's really frustrating you um probably my forehand right now okay yeah just because i worked in it so much in the off season i felt like it got so so much better than what what it used to be excuse me um, and Alexis, she compliments it sometimes. And I'm just like, I fangirl over it because she used to have like a really good sidearm. Her sidearm was so much better than mine. And, uh, <laughs> that was one of the goals was like, okay, let's pass her in a sidearm. Uh, and I felt like when she complimented me about it, she's like, your sidearm got so good and it's better than mine. And I was just like, yes, uh, I finally got a sidearm. <laughs> yeah. And then somehow along the week, I felt like I lost distance and accuracy at the same time. I would just roll my wrist into the ground. So even playing at Waco, I didn't throw it that often as much as I would have if it was filling a hundred percent there. Um, but I've been doing like I did field work yesterday to fix it. I've been trying to work with it, trying to start from the bottom up. Um, that's probably the only thing that's kind of bugging me right now. Like I could throw it, but I just can't throw it with full power. Okay. Uh- I guess going into it, when we're starting to get nitpicky about things, I would ask, do you feel that winning at Waco as opposed to, and would there have been any other course that would feel, dare I say, sweeter or as special uh, or as special or, or, I mean, you've had a lot of success in Texas. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know we had them at our fingertips with all the events that you've won largely in Texas, obviously, you know, living there, but it, is that course any different than if you would have, if you were at Vegas a few weeks ago, or if you were to instead win in Jonesboro or any other place? Does is a win a win? Does it matter where it was? Honestly, to be my first, no. Like for it to be my first, it was a little more special being here in Texas. Okay, just because I'm so like Texas pride. Mm-hmm. I, I obviously love the state of Texas, and they've taken me as like I was born and raised here. Um. Obviously, I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. from Illinois, but I claim Texas as my home just because of uh, my grandparents. They were born and raised here, so I got to uh, experience a lot of Texas. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a place of like hitting home. You know, it, it's like winning in my home state. It made it that much special for my first win. Um, hearing everybody cheer for me, and I knew everyone was rooting for me as the cheers went on. I'd pitch out of a bush, and they were screaming, "Yeah, Valerie!" And I was just like, "Oh." <laughs> okay, definitely the crowd favor right now, but it just made it that much more special. Uh, so yep. then she's going to take Ledgestone then, so she can have both uh, home states. Yeah, yeah, right. That's exactly. Good idea. That's the goal. And I'll, I'll be the first. I'll be the first to admit after uh, after a couple of years of being around and seeing you guys, I was always a little bit confused as well. And you you kind of just touched on that. Uh, me being from Wisconsin, also coincidentally being for I know uh, as crazy as I'm a Cubs fan, and then seeing you guys always wearing uh, Chicago Cubs. gears, uh, having. Um, 
you know, being in Chicago for a number of, you know, events that I was like, why, why are they here when they're from Texas? Like, so it, it kind of put it all together, you know, after all these years. Um, but yeah, as Johnny just said, I mean, Ledgestone seems like the no brainer. And then uh, while you're at it, you might as well take down the DDO for your new sponsorship. I mean, you might as well just yeah. run the whole tour. Honestly, that would be nice. That's the plan, as they say. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. I like it. Uh, uh, and then you said you were talking to Kristen. Was there any conversation, uh, you know, lighthearted conversation about anything outside of the Gulf? Um, because hand I think warmers. Hand, we, we saw the hand warmer clip that you you were talking about. <laughs> uh, but I just think of you know her latitude sponsorship, obviously within the whole you know trilogy family as it's as it's phrased. Um, you know, you you said you were throwing one of her uh, signature discs? Yep, that's kind of what we uh, talked about. I think it was early on in the round. She was just asking me, like, how was the switch going? And, like, what was my main, like, um, staples in my bag? And I, I mentioned to her I was throwing the putter. And she's like, you like it? Do you really like the putter? And I was like, yeah, I actually do. I was like, <laughs> a lot of people were actually ask, asking me what was I going to throw because they knew I threw the uh, Nova a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I felt like that disc fit that slot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You just tell her, I'm, no, I'm not doing this to suck up to you or, or be friends with you. I, yeah, no, I, I really I do like, love this no, disc. Trust me, I, need, I really do like it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you could say about the rest of your competition this weekend? Um, you know, you last year we saw Kona win by 12 and, and have this breakout event. Then you ultimately, you and Kristen kind of pulled away from the field. Owen wanted to challenge and was, you know, in the conversation. Obviously, Kat had that stellar final round, but what can you say about the competition this weekend? Honestly, we all played. I honestly, I don't know. I felt like everyone had some off weeks. Everyone had some highlight weeks. I feel like it's just the part of the tour. I, I really can't like single anything out. Yeah, it uh, it's just it's funny how Waco continues to I don't want to say surprise. It produces different winners. Yeah, it, it's it creates variety for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, to have you on that list is is incredible. I, I feel like the the course doesn't require um, a ton of distance. It requires more accuracy of anything. So I mean, obviously, distance always helps if you're especially if you're accurate. But uh, th- there's there's not holes out there that I feel like. Paige Pierce has much of a huge advantage or a uh, or uh, Evelina or someone else who can throw, you know, we'll say 425 to 450 regularly. They don't seem to have a huge advantage out there as opposed to someone who is just clean, keeping it clean. And I think yep. we, we this Waco tends to produce, I think, the cleanest wins. So. Yeah, definitely. I feel like you have to have um, every part in your game on, I would say. Like you said, it all just comes down to like clean golf. As long as you're not taking, you know, bogeys on double bogeys and triple bogeys. If you're playing fairway golf, even if you would just, you know, par most of the holes and have a few birdies, you're on top of uh, most of the field. Yeah. And then (laughs) as if people didn't get a full depiction or understanding of it, how brutal was that opening round on Friday? And how did you cope with it? Oof. It it was so cold. It was so cold. It was so like the weather alone was just miserable. Um, I had a really good card, a really fun card, 
but it was like we all started off like strong like we we're gonna have fun you know it was going to be a good round we we're gonna turn it around to the middle of it we're all kind of just like we need to get through this round okay <laughs> we need to get through it we're almost there and then it was just like honestly it felt like who could play the fastest that's what it came down to like we're all just like oh is it me or is it you i'll go it's fine. I'll go. Even if I'm out, I'll go. <laughs> and then at the end, um, once we hit like 15, we're all like, we're almost there, guys. These are the hardest holds, but we're almost there. We can be in a warm environment after this. <laughs> and it was honestly, it was just brutal. The wind was hard on my skin. I think everyone said the same thing. We all talked about like fingers cracking, peeling of the skin just because of wind burn. Um, just all around. It was just a brutal round. Well, uh, clearly you persevered. It turned out to be this incredible weekend and uh, obviously the awesome success that it was. Uh, Johnny, I see, has it pulled up. We're going to, if it's all right, we're going to share it with the world, even if it's not all right with you. We're going to share with the world. We see that there's a uh, commemorative disc. Can you talk a little bit about this? It looks like it's available right now. Yes, it it is available. Um, I mean, they, they did it really fast, I will say. Eric messaged me after the event and he's like, we'll have these disc out, you know, by this date ready. And I was like, wow, that's going to be pretty fast. Um, I mean, I love it. I love how it came out. The stamp I really like. Um, when he told me what it was going to be, I was like, okay, I kind of pictured it in my head. But again, you could always picture things in your head. But when you see it, it's obviously a lot better. Yeah. And uh, are there different options to drop down there? Yeah, Johnny? you can. Um, for those of you, maybe we're going to plug plug that, these for you that don't want to get a getaway. I don't know why you wouldn't get this in a getaway, but yeah, that'd be there's, silly. There's a felon, a justice, a trespass, a, a sword, a sword and a warship. So you can get that uh, different disc molds and any quantity as well. So oh my gosh. if you want to order five, try and them, type in 200. Let's, let's see if it'll let us add 200. Uh, Mm. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to hit add to cart, Terry. Let <laughs> me wait. Fun. Let me see your credit card real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so everybody should uh, go over. They've got them on dynamicdisc.com, and that's where they can pick them up. Uh, before we let you go, we have to learn what are all the best ways that people can follow along your journey, and then also what are the ways that they can uh, support you. Honestly, like you guys said, buying one of those discs, you guys can support me with that. Um, I believe my Instagram is, don't quote me on this. I, I hope <laughs> I get it right. Is Valerie underscore Monduhano 99. That's how you guys can follow me and see what I post. I'll be posting a lot. You guys can see my journey through this tour. Okay. I'm, I'm going to double check you. Uh, oh, Valerie. Okay. I think I've typed in Val. I know I tagged yeah, you on I'm a pretty message. pretty sure that's early. what it is. I... We'll find you. Oh. Uh, Valerie underscore yes 99 gotcha all right I'm going to put that in the chat as well uh, so that people can follow along with you there oh and where you have a picture of the disc so if anyone is confused in any way shape or form you can go out and see it Uh, that was one of your most recent posts there as well (sighs) incredible Uh, and then think uh, can we hear who your sponsors are and uh, shout them out please yeah for sure dynamic disc is my main sponsor, my disc sponsor. Then it'll be Foundation Disc Golf, Birdie Few, and Lucky Ace. Awesome. Anything that we didn't cover, anything we should be asking you about that you want to share with the world? Oh, I think that's it for right now. <laughs> Up until uh, we'll show the RV in another week. Okay. Okay. And th- that's a great... It'll be uh, on her Instagram, I'm sure. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's the yep. timeline. You're playing in Belton this weekend, we presume, right? 
Yes, and then, I will be leaving tomorrow early morning. Okay. How far is Belton from where you're at? I believe two hours. Okay. That's not too bad for Texas. That's I where mean, I looked yeah. up earlier, but it could have been traffic. <laughs> sure. Uh, and Texas is so large. Uh, most of the geography, I have no idea. You could have told me nine hours. I'd be like, okay, I'll believe that. <laughs> well, not knowing where she is and yeah, knowing Texas the size of Texas. Very, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, Texas States, of course, right there. I mean, it's got to feel good that, you know, you get this little swing. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on real quick is you didn't kick off in, uh, not Arizona, sorry, Vegas. in Vegas. Uh, what, what led to that decision to not be at the the opening event? Honestly, there was a couple of decisions, um, but one of the main ones was uh, my grandfather. He was he was sick at the time, and this was around like December when we were all talking about it. We really didn't know how many months or weeks we were going to have with him. Mm, it okay. was supposed to be six more months on top of the new year. Sure. So um, I told my I told Alexis and Mason I didn't want to go just because of the fact that if I do get more time, that's what I want. Um, and then he unfortunately passed away on the first. Mm -hmm. Our 31st, excuse me. And so we could have went, but I just didn't want to go. I was just like, I don't feel ready enough to go. Um, And yeah, that was pretty much it. Really, it came down to that one reason. And so we just didn't want to start off the tour there. I was like, Texas is better. Um, We could just tour there. And I really wanted to spend more time with my grandmother and mom. A hundred percent logical. And and not that you owe any world, any explanations, but that... uh, makes perfect sense and obviously we understand uh how close you are with all of your family and it sounds like you you made the right decision so well we can't say congratulations enough i mean it was Amazing. it was so awesome i know uh, i'll say it again valerie and i in the booth in bend had so much fun calling the action it was it was such a great battle and then way s- way better than the men's uh, battle. Yeah. the men <laughs> honestly so many people watch the mpo coverage and, and tend to forget about the fpo coverage um, especially in post-production, I had so much more fun watching the FPO coverage yeah. and I usually do, but this time particularly, it was such a great battle. It was so much fun to watch you guys. Yeah. You, 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 uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And, uh, we're hoping that this is going to be the first of many for you. It was, it was awesome to see. And as you said, you proved it to yourself and you've clearly proven it to the rest of the world. And it feels, I'm sure good showing it to your sponsor and everything else, um, and everyone else. So congratulations. And most importantly, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, get some rest. Enjoy, uh, more time in your home state. Go over to Belton, um, and uh, we'd love to see another solid performance over there. So best of luck to you, and we'll see if it's not Belton. We'll see you at the next one at Texas State. Best of luck to you. Travel safely to you and uh, your entire crew. For sure. Thank you, guys. Uh, All right. Thank you. Have a good night. See ya. All right. Our champion. How incredible. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Uh, I will be going out. Mark my words. I'm going to go out and get myself uh, one of those commemorative discs. And then once I get it packed along uh, one time when I'm out on the road this year, I'll, I'm going to make sure to have her sign one of those. That's pretty awesome. So congratulations. It, and uh, kudos to, to, to DD. I was just for jumping going, on that. I was just going to say that that with the new move to her, you know, to, to DD for the sponsorship. Look at how supportive they are for these type of wins, you know, a, a custom Dimax disc immediately. I mean, literally immediately after the yep. win, you know, and it's a lot of times we, we may not see, uh, sometimes when 
some of the FPO win a major that they might not get a disc depending on the major. And she wins her first elite series event and they're immediately on it. I'm excited. You know what? We can get the, we get the whole collection of Valerie discs at the end of the year for all of her wins. Well, by like the ninth win, they'll be like, all right, we're running out of discs. You know, <laughs> the Dimax is out of ink. I <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so. Congratulations uh, to her and uh, congratulations to Dee Dee and everyone that's continued to support her and her, her family's journey. Uh, such an amazing disc golf family. I love seeing them out there week in and week out anytime I'm on site. And again, I know she's been inundated with countless uh, requests. Imagine. I know I had to like go around to the next guy to the next guy just to to ask her to check a PM um, because she's probably been just so overloaded with so many people reaching out. And that is definitely a good problem to have as a champion. So again, congrats and thanks. Yeah, um, amazing. Just amazing. All right. So we've got Paul Uliberry who wants to join us here tonight. Uh, do you want me to send him the... Uh, yeah, same one. Okay. So I'm going to send him that. But he's also... He's he's put in a request. Let's see if we can get his brother on here. We're going to have to see if the technology will allow it. So both of them? Uh, potentially. That's mm. that's what he sent me so a message I'm, I'm on. I'm going to need to send him a different... We're gonna, I'm going to have to send you a different call. Send me a, can you send me another one? I can. In addition to that? Okay. And then it'll take yeah. a second on your end. So, uh, Paul, if you're listening... I have, in fact, sent you a little link that I'm going to need you to click on. And then uh, in the midst of doing that, we're going to also get a, another link available. And we might be able to get your brother pulled in on this if uh, if that's the route we're going. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And while Johnny does that, I'm going to quickly just touch on, while Johnny's going through that stuff, um, some of the results from this weekend. Of course, we just talked to our champion and Valerie Mondahano, uh, taking it down ultimately with a nine under overall, a seven under during that last round, which is just one off of tying the course record. Kristen Tatar finished four behind her at five under. Katrina Allen also, I don't want to say trying to steal a little thunder, but definitely was part of the storyline for sure come Sunday as she shot an eight under, which does tie Owen Scoggins' previous course record from the year before. And Katrina shot all the way from 17th place, excuse me, 17th place into third place. And she surpassed Cat Merch in doing so. Cat then finishes just off the podium, tied for fourth along with Own Scoggins. So congratulations to all of them. Uh, some really solid performance and play out there. Tons of birdies that were picked up. Uh, Hannah Blumros ended up having five birdies in a row during one stretch and uh, ended up moving up one spot into a tie for sixth along with Macy Valadez, who also then tied Paige Pierce. And over on the men's side, a quickly uh, recap a few of their scores. We saw, of course, Paul McBeth taking it down. Excuse me. Uh, with his 23 under was essentially <laughs> not too often. Do you say, yeah, I finished bogey bogey and still won the tournament and yeah. won it by three. But that's what holes 17 and 18 can produce at that course. Well, 18, I mean. I, I don't necessarily think that there's uh, much to say about 18 in general on that course or any course because every person will take a bogey on a layup to win. Sure. Every yeah, single you're, one. You're of right. Them. Yeah, exactly. But so, 17 is. Yeah. So, uh, well, 17, as you said, uh, yeah, he, yeah, Paul took a bogey. Anyway, Luke Humphreys finishing second. Clearly a story in his own right. Uh, what we've seen out of Luke Humphreys. Uh, these last two pro tour events have been incredible. Chris Clemens, Joel Freeman, kind of, I don't want to say quietly, but yeah, kind of quietly 
just snuck up and jumped into that tie for third. Chris Clemens moved up six spots to get there into that tie for third. And Joel Freeman was on the chase card. So that's why he was a little less of the conversation. Uh, But he jumped into that tie for third at 17 under. So they were three back of Luke and six back of Macbeth. Thomas Gilbert moved up 26 spots into a tie for fifth, along with Aaron Gossage, who moved up 18 spots as they tied with Kale, Isaac Robinson, and Chris Dickerson. So uh, that kind of rounded out your top 10. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if we can say any more about Waco other than, as, as Johnny mentioned, it likes to produce a variety of results, variety of winners, and good, clean golf often will lead you to some solid scores, but sometimes a, a, a break on 17 can cost you a few extra. Sometimes a, just an like ounce the, of aggression can cost you a couple strokes on 18. I mean, there's a lot of things that can, can still go sideways. A, a couple storylines. Obviously, Luke Humphreys continuing to play well from Vegas, mm-hmm. you know, wondering if, you know, <sighs> Vegas as well as Waco, I think can a, a certain type of player tends to finish well at Vegas. You know, your long thrower, um, we've seen it before, but Luke not known for that. So him playing well and then following it up at Waco is phenomenal. Kale continuing his top five there. There's just something about that course and Kale that that mesh. You know, you could to take top five at Waco more than one time because as we say, it produces different winners. It it almost I don't want to say it feels like a slot machine for the top ten because we do see the top players tend to finish well, but. Kale consistently finishing there um, even after watching one of the most brutal rollaways that you will get on 17 for poor Kale we 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 were live and we had it showing from the drone mm-hmm. and it just every once in a while I, I like to take a drone shot kind of just to see especially on that island which is really cool the way that thing kind of slowly made its way all of us in the control room are going like no stop stop, stop, stop. sit down and even Mo has a rule, no cheering in the control room for players, but man, that was just the the grossest roll away I've seen in a while. Um, and, and amazing. So, uh, yeah, congratulations on kale, you know, starting a new cash streak, right? Yeah, that's exactly what he's got to do. And, uh, again, a top five finish, as you said, there, still very impressive. So he's got some consistency down. There's no doubt about it being second, third and fifth all there and, and truly being in contention, uh, for even a higher spot, you know, barring again, a little, a couple <laughs> of bad breaks. And that's, that's why you say you got to play them all. Unfortunately, sometimes, well, excuse me. We do have one. Yeah, I've sent a message over to uh, Pete, and we'll see if he's going to possibly be able to jump on if that's uh, what's happening or not. And if we can get a confirmation one way or another, if he's ready to go, then we could possibly bring them both in. It looks like Paul's going to be ready here to go in a second. Paul's ready. We can bring him in, and when Pete jumps on, he'll just pop into the, uh, the, the good old screen. All right. I guess we can do that. So without further ado, we're going to welcome in one Paul Uliberry. Hey, buddy. What Hi, up, guys? How you doing, man? How are you? We just just keep I'm, on doing what I'm we're doing. Good. I'm I'm worried about my connection. Tell me if uh, everything's going. It's so, so far so great. good. You're live with us, and everything looks pretty good and yeah. sounds pretty good. So uh, you got your own neon sign. What uh, more do you need? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, look how you're living. Living uh, large with a neon that was a sign, gift, man. That, that that's pretty sweet. Uh, All right. So um, I know, you know man. We've my we, editor uh, sent it to me as a gift. 
and uh that i mean that feels like you've uh, have you arrived like via youtube when you have like your own cool backlighting because i feel like you know you look at simon and you look at all the really big successful youtubers like your own backlighting is what's needed right custom that's it's funny because last year i had what did i have i had a a poster and then i would get neon light on the poster Mm -hmm. so i've upgraded a little bit dang moving up okay so Um, uh arrived i have arrived because i am on smashbox so uh, flattery will get you everywhere with us Yes, it will. <laughs> Man. Um, so it's been a little while since we've had you. You've, of course, you know, have, have been on and off recurring with us. I guess maybe that's the definition. For years and years. And yeah, years. of recurring. But, um, man, you've, since we've last talked here on the show, you've only gotten busier. And it sounds like you got a lot of things yes. going on. I mean. Amounts of busy. Bushnell, Zuka. Jomez, I do. Found- I also have a de- a delay in hearing you guys, so bear with me. Okay, okay. In that, yeah, we'll we'll give a couple seconds after our questions for you to answer. But uh, yeah, as Terry was saying, it feels like almost every commercial break please, we see we do. see a Ulibari commercial on the DGN. You have so many sponsors. Yeah, everybody well, just I keep throwing money at you. It's just my way of, you know, keeping in your guys's life and <laughs> and that's all my my only goal was I wanted to make sure to be in Johnny V and uh, Harry's <laughs> peripheral at all times. <laughs> yeah. Trust, trust me, pal, you are. Uh so uh, you you were somewhat public and forthcoming of course about your weekend this weekend and because we are friends Break it down for the world. You know, a lot of people are concerned and hope that you're doing all right. You know, that you personally, physically, mentally, all of those things. But break down this weekend for you and, you know, kind of just walk us through the process. And then how do you bounce back? Yeah, no, absolutely. So obviously this weekend was horrific as far as my gameplay. I mean, I just didn't have anything off the tee i didn't have anything on the putting green mentally was exhausted uh, i didn't catch any good breaks and so when your mental state is you know not performing at its best which is just important as the physical part you know things can just fall apart and i and i saw that this weekend uh but at the same time it's not like it hasn't happened before you know like it's something i've dealt with on and off through my whole whole career i've had big time lows i feel like and i've had big time highs just like anybody well not just like anybody i feel like some of the best players in the world they're just on like a steady incline of up up and up and unfortunately that's not something that i've had to deal with in my career i mean i've i almost dropped out of i think i was like 10 10 at one point in 2012 and the next year i was ranked fifth in the world so it's not something like I said that I've I've never dealt with. I mean, I I am dealing with injuries here and there. I won't go into detail, but, but as far as this week was how that happened, and it's just going to take 
time, a little time off, reflect and get back to the, get back to work. Are you, what's the next event you're playing in? Are you going to Belton? Are you going to Texas States or are you going to, uh, you know, hang up the bag for a couple of weeks? No. So, you know, I contemplated, I definitely was never going to play Belton. I told myself, you know, with my busy schedule that I was going to try to only play like two or three silver series this year, only pro tours and majors. And so Belton, I scratched off the list. And so my next tournament will be Texas States, which I definitely contemplated not playing that, especially after the last, I don't know, two, three months of play. It start, you know, my first event was all stars and people don't know this, but in the off season, what was it? Three and a half weeks before the all-star event, I fractured my ankle, my right ankle. And so I went to all stars to play. I didn't really tell anybody because I don't like a pity party, you know, and I just went out there and played and I just haven't been my best. So that combined with then when you're playing on, on a, on a hurt ankle, I mean, your timing gets off, of course. I mean, that's your plant foot. And then because of that, I pulled a tendon sheath in my elbow, trying to do more arm than anything. So then I was dealing with that, and that turned into severe tendonitis, which I'm being worked on right now. So it was like a, it was like a, a lot of things kind of in a row. And then you know when that happens, you still try to. I've played through injuries my whole career, like. Like I said, I don't want to pity athletes. And after this last weekend, I definitely was a question like, okay, do I just take Texas States off and like, you know, regroup, get in the field? And, and that's just not what I do. You know, I'm going to be back out there competing at Texas States and I'll do a little practice this week and let the chips fall where, where they may. Yeah. And so somebody would then ask, and, and maybe you kind of just answered that if, if you feel like it's more of a, an actual physical grind as opposed to mental, because then someone would say, Hey, Paul, are, are you stretching yourself too thin? Are you involved in too many endeavors that then have taken away from, uh, you know, your focus on the course? It looks like your brother has just joined us live as well. <laughs> Pete, you're live to the world. Hot mic, hot mic. Hi. Uh, okay. <laughs> just so you know. Uh, but yeah, okay. so the question is, you know, is it mostly physical or is it, or is it, you know, is it mental? Yeah, I, I get that a lot now. Whenever I play bad, you know, people think that it's because I spread myself too thin. I'm, I'm constantly working. I have new ideas. I have new projects. Um, and that's just not it at all. If I, you know, playing good comes first and in what I do, you can, now that my brother's on, he can attest for that. And if I was spreading myself too thin, as far as all that guys, I, I wouldn't do it. Um, it's, it's a physical battle right now, you know, that I'm going through. Um, it has been for years. It seems like I haven't been healthy since 2018. I mean, I had my ACL surgery and it's just one thing after another. Uh, but I've also played really good sometimes when I have been injured. So it's not, that's, that's not it at all. And, and as far as those other things, no, I'm only going to probably get busier. Uh, I'm my best person when I'm busy and doing things. Um, 
I've never been more successful in my life with anything I've ever done as far as disc golf than right now. And that's because I enjoy it and I love it. And then maybe the last question along those lines, and then we'll get updated from your brother here. But uh, one of the big um, transitions or, or, you know, life moments for you, uh, milestones is the word I'm looking for this last uh, few months was that you purchased a house in North Carolina. Is that right? And why is everybody moving there? I did. Yeah, that's where I... it's nice out here, man. The <laughs> land's cheap. You can get a big old house. Uh, the weather's pretty good. Um, always. I mean, the winter this winter, I think it was their worst winter ever. And it was still I could still practice and give lessons um, every week. So, yeah, my my winter was very productive. So, I mean, North Carolina or South Carolina is just awesome. I mean, I'm three miles from. Winthrop Gold. So, whenever I want to practice, I got a really nice course that I can practice. That's right next to my house. Well, congratulations on all of those successes, and now we're also welcoming in your brother Pete. Pete, I just saw you. Uh, I don't know, eight or ten days ago, and uh, yeah. I think we're going to have some MP40 coverage. I was literally editing it today, so uh, awesome. we've got that taking place from uh, you, your attempt, your run to defend your title at the memorial from last week. But uh, welcome to the show. And hey, no uh, what, spoilers, Terry. I know. I'm not going to say what happened. I said he's defend. <laughs> he's you know in his title defense. So, Pete, welcome I'm just make, I'm also. Just making sure. I'm just... <laughs> Coming in from Arizona now. And uh, how are you doing, man? How's, how's life treating you? I'm doing good. I'm just, uh, yeah, just kind of, we took a pretty good swing at that tournament. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the coverage. I always learn a lot by watching uh, that stuff uh, in retrospect and, and seeing what I can do to become a better golfer, too. And it's been a busy couple of weeks um, since then. So, you know had a lot of uh a lot of things going educating yeah. my kid playing some disc golf yeah and your your day-to-day for the most part and and correct me if i'm wrong but your day-to-day uh your you full-time uh raise your son and then uh i was gonna say educate him i guess uh, yeah, that's the truth. You, you're yeah. at the at home the stay at home educator for your son uh and then uh, you go out play still how much golf are you playing these days it depends. Um, it's been nice. I've been given a lot of lessons also. So that's been, that's been coming along really well with the explosion of the sport. And, uh, that's taken, um, a really good, a really good, uh, some good time, but I really enjoy that part of the, the game and, uh, you know, the schooling with the, with my son, um, that takes a good chunk of the day now. Cause well, the older he gets, the more he has to learn. So, <laughs> and you can answer honestly, and, who, who's the better teacher? Who's the better disc golf teacher? You or your brother? You're both doing lessons now. Uh-huh. Who, who's the better? Uh, if you had to take someone, we've seen scratch to scratch. Do you think you could? Uh, do you think you could compete with a, a scratch to scratch player? I think together we could make a make a smoking deal. <laughs> That's the cheap way answer. Come on. I think Pete's probably Pete. Pete's probably a better teacher, but I'm definitely a better actor, so I don't think he should <laughs> make any attempts at a scratch-to-scratch scratch type situation. 
Uh, we'll uh, let's go with that. I like that one. Okay. Okay. Uh, Pete, what are we going to, you know, we just kind of talked through the schedule a little bit or, you know, kind of what Paul's outlook is on high level events and what his year will kind of look like. How about for yourself? Uh, you know, obviously you have a lot of things going on and you're not a touring, you know, uh, a week in and week out touring, you know, nationwide player, but what, what does your schedule kind of look like for playing golf this year? Um, I think kind of like what it's looked like in the years past is the, uh, uh, playing a lot of local around Arizona, uh, run a couple tournaments. Um, and then really like my goal again this year is to get to masters worlds. Um, mm-hmm. I, I felt like I had a really good swing at that last year. Uh, had some injury stuff kind of come up just before. I mean, it's masters world. So who's not showing up questioning what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, and then hopefully get to worlds. So, you know, other than that, I mean, ma- mainly local, uh, little bros out in the Carolinas now. So maybe, uh, depending on plane tickets at some point, maybe we can take a swing out there and crash the new pad, but we'll see, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a wife, um, today's my thir- my, uh, 13th wedding anniversary. And so, um, I like to make it to the 14th and 15th and, uh, <laughs> and the 50th too. So, so uh, we that's that's what keeps uh, I like that more than I even like disc golf. So, well, congratulations, of course, to you guys. Uh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can tell she's right behind him, <laughs> just right Actually, on camera. It's, it's, <laughs> little, little kids trying to sneak in is what he's doing. She's like, you better get my shout out in there. Uh, <laughs> I'll ring your neck. No, she's amazing. <laughs> yes, she's uh, really amazing. So. <laughs> Um, so as the memorial was wrapping up on a, on a more serious note, as the memorial was wrapping up, um, and you, your mother who had was so gracious and kind and helped out me and my crew, uh, with finding some additional lodging. We had our largest crew there doing post-production. Um, and, and so I'd met your, with your mom in Vegas and, uh, she was providing some help in that regard. But then there was some news that came in. Can you kind of tell us, you know, we've seen a post or two, but can you guys kind of break down uh, what, what's unfolded and how things are going? Um, let's see. Uh, she headed home early. She was not feeling as well. And so she headed home on Sunday. That was the final day of the memorial. And then, uh, you know, I got home after the tournament, after watching uh, Paul play and, and hanging out for a while. We got home and, um, that evening I just got a message that said, uh, well, actually my sister was calling cause I, my phone was still on silent for my round. So I'd, I'd missed a couple phone calls, um, that mom's house had, uh, caught fire. So, um, you know, at that moment, it's just kind of like, let's see how everything is going to, uh, uh, come about. You know, I threw some stuff in a bag and was waiting if I needed to take off up the mountain. Um, my sister's, uh, both of them live in live in Sholo, and so they were able to get over there rather quickly, and at least you know see what they could could do at least to help her out. Um, the the house that we all that Paul and I you know we basically uh, I didn't grow up in it because I lived in a couple other places, but Paul basically grew up in that house, and uh, you know um, so over the years of living there, you know we did a ton of remodels of the place. It's a beautiful home. Um, tons of working hardwood floors. And I mean, it, I, most of my life I've been a carpenter before had a kid. And, uh, so essentially somewhere in the, in the stove pipe, maybe, it, I mean, it's 30, 40 year old stove pipe, I guess, you know, and, uh, it looks like maybe the stove pipe got hot and caught the, uh, the attic in it on fire. Um, but basically, you know, uh, mom smelled some smoke and, and, 
kind of made a few phone calls and was talking to my stepdad, Sean, and, and, and asking him what to do. Cause with a, with a wood burning stove, I don't know if many people, how many people still do that, but, uh, you know, you'll still smell smoke here and there if you get a backdraft or something. And so, um, you know, he had her checking all the right things and then, uh, said, well, let's just air the house out. And so had her open the door. Um, and then boom, the whole, uh, uh, you know, at least the house, uh, got a big flow of air, which sucked up into the attic and, and, uh, uh, she's all, that was weird. And, and so she, Sean had her go out and, and check and there was fire coming out the, uh, the roof. So, uh, within 10 minutes, the, the fire department was there and they did, they were amazing. They did a whole lot of things to like, you know, they went in, got on it right away. Um, it had basically burned out about half the attic over uh the living room and over headed towards her bedroom and um it was really lucky she caught it when she did because the they would have basically fire blocked in her whole bedroom the addition that's, that is that and uh with all that though like it it, it uh you know I, I went up on monday um right away and uh we just kind of went through a whole lot of stuff and basically everything is ruined everything from clothes to you know 30 years of their life is is there and it's uh pretty tough. So right now we're just, uh, you know, we've gone up and, and, uh, spent some time up there picking up the wreckage or what we can of it and salvaging the, the couple things we can, you know, some pictures and things like that. So I think the big challenges of it, it's it, the, the major part of the home was an old, uh, an older, um, mobile home as the centerpiece. Like, and then we had a bunch of additions that we had built off it, you know, because as, as the kids grew up and we had grandparents that came back and lived. And I mean, we've got quite a, I've got a, a friend of mine that we had built a addition on for, uh, to take care of him when he was older. And, uh, we just did a, you know, the house has been there and it's, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place. It's just, it's completely ruined smoke damage. And, and so now, I mean, uh, the, the, the thing that we're looking to do now is we've basically got to demolish the whole thing. And, uh, Cause there's really not, it's going to be more to, to even try and save anything than to just demolish it and then see where we land there. Yeah. And I, I think to a number of, uh, holidays where I've seen, it seems like everybody there, I know, uh, you know, I've seen you guys and, and, and Ricky, I know has been around for a number of holidays and, uh, you know, your mom has countless times also said, Hey, anytime you're in the area, you know, you're more than welcome to stop by whether it's, you know, Drew Gibson, just tons of our Mm -hmm. players and friends of, of all of us. And it's always seemed to have this very warm and welcoming, you know, friendly, everyone's welcome mentality. Uh, Hav and Amy Joe, I know we're, we're up there, you know, seemingly not long ago. And so certainly, you know, I think of the memories that you guys have obviously all had there. Uh, I guess it's kind of a catch 22 and that it was a good thing. She didn't feel well and she went home early and then maybe even caught it when she did, uh, you know, cause if she didn't feel well, maybe she wouldn't have been there at all. I don't, I don't know if, if it's looked at of, you know, half empty or half full with that scenario, huh? I mean, um, thankfully she was still safe. Yeah. We've gone through, you know, um, when something like this happens, you know, like, like I said, it's 30 years of, of my parents' life set by this and ruined and, uh, you know, looking at a lot of things cause, uh, it is glass half full and then there's moments it's glass, glass fully empty, you know, like mm-hmm. just, there's, there's a lot of, uh, 
if the right word is trauma, but it is, I guess, trauma, you know, like it's, it's a, it's pretty devastating. And so, you know, going through the day to day right now, just seeing what's next, you know, um, the big challenge has just been to, uh, say, let's take the next step one step at a time. You know, when you get into the house and you start trying to go through to save anything, it's absolutely overwhelming. There's 30 years of life there that we've, you know, like, well, do I take the pens? You know, <laughs> you don't know what, what, what the, the pens are the only thing that's, that's okay right now. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a place for a lot of people for a very long time to kind of like, like you said, for a family to come in for the disc golf family to come in and have a place to land and, and just decompress over Christmas, over Thanksgiving. And, um, man, so it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot, uh, yeah, and I was I was then made aware of it just started in the last couple hours of a of a GoFundMe uh, that's been started. Obviously, yeah. you know we hope to see a huge outpouring of support. Um, I posted it here in the link. We'll post it in some other places as well. But um, you know, I think it sounds as if there was a because of how you described the development of the property, the development of the house. It sounds like there's an additional challenge with regard to how it was either assessed and or insured. And and yeah, it, I think a lot of people would say, well, yeah, it sucks. Uh, however, we're gonna, you're going to be taken care of. And it sounds like there's there's hurdles in order for that to happen. Can you explain those? Yeah. Uh, one of the big challenges with it is is because uh, the the trailer itself we we, we my, my parents bought it back in the '90s from uh, some friends who uh, uh, were moving. So from that point in time, um, you know, I think I think coming forward, it was not the insurance companies would not insure that sure because it was an old older trailer. And like, when you look at the house, you would have never thought it was a trailer. You walk in and, and because of all the work we've done over the years to it, too, you know, and remodeling and, and opening stuff up. And, but, um, so essentially I think up to now, well, besides the point, like it, it hasn't been able to be insured because it's a trailer. Um, and so, you know, they've just been living, living with it that way. Um, so with this, that, that leaves us basically at a place going, well, where do we start from? And, um, you know, uh, right now that, that leaves the challenge of just, I think, like, like I said, we've, we're looking at, well, it's a, it's a demolish and it is a, basically a total loss. Um, essentially the, the, the value that the fire department put on the loss, uh, it's pretty hefty. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I can tell you privately, but it's, 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 it's far more than we could, you know, we even imagined ourselves, but, you know, like I said, 30 years of life in there and, and time and, and, uh, hardwood floors and, you know, all the leftovers. Cause we built homes for, yeah, for 25 you, years and go ahead, Polly. When you think about like, like, uh, full home. Yeah. When you think about a mobile home, you think, you know, your, your thoughts can wander, but my brother and my stepdad are the best car- carpenters I've ever known or ever seen. And, we're talking about hours of piece by piece woodwork on every single wall over every single countertop in the ground that they put, you know, restroom was personalized with every pebble that they put in there by themselves. Um, you walk in there and it was the most beautiful home you could ever imagine along with being, you know, comfortable. That's why it's not a surprise. You know, my mom's cooking is good. 
but everybody liked to go there because comfortable is beautiful, um, really nice. And so, you know, I, 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 I got a call from my mom uh, the night after the uh, the tournament, and she was just watching it burn. I was on the phone with her. You know, so I got up and I headed out there early in the morning. I walked in there and I wasn't in there for two minutes before I walked back out and my clothes were ruined that I was wearing. Like there was no getting the smell out of my clothes that I had just walked in there for two minutes. Like it's, it was brutal. And like my brother said, the memories that we put in there are crazy. Like I have a routine of walking in, grabbing a couple discs and walking right back out and throwing a couple putts. And that's exactly what I did. So to lose that is like, uh, you know, I walked in, saw the smoke, saw my disc on the countertop, grabbed a couple, handed one to my caddy, Brad, and we walked out through a couple putts at the basket. But that's just what I was used to doing for 20 years, you know. And so obviously the financial loss is like an insane amount. And like he said, we don't even need to go into it because it's unfathomable, um, really, especially when you when you put the title mobile home on it, <laughs> that's, that is not what it was, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I've talked to my mom, uh, you know, every day this since the incident and some days are good. Some days are bad. I mean, how do you replace that stuff? Yeah. And you know, and I, I'm going to follow it up and say, I, again, from all the pictures I've ever seen, um, I, I kind of liken it to when I was informed the first time I went to Steve Dodge's house and we were uh, sitting in at the time we were standing in his kitchen and you guys have been in Steve's house. And he's like, this was the whole house. Like literally it was, you know, like a, a not even a, a 15 by 15 room. Yeah. He's like, this was the house the when it was built house. here, you know, uh, you know, decades ago. And now it's literally five times the size. But the kit, what is now the kitchen was the entire house. And that's kind of how I liken you know, to what you guys had, you know, that mobile home was, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're probably talking, you know, 25, 30 or 2,500, maybe 3000 square feet. I mean, there was again, so I I guess I want to drive home the point. Yes. We're not the, the stereotypical mobile home, uh, uh, assumption and or vision. It was so far from that. And that, that was, isn't even an accurate really description. I'm assuming. Well, as of right now, um, one of the ideas, I mean, the, the main thing is we're going to have to get it demolished. And so yeah. I think that's the main thing that we're looking for with the GoFundMe is at least just to cover the, the demolishing of the major part of at least 90% of what's there. There's a back room that we had built that is a full foundation. Um, and it's like 25 by 25, maybe 25 by 30. Uh, it's a beautiful back room. We're going to have to gut the whole thing and pull all the drywall Um you know, pull the, pull the tongue and groove and stuff off the ceiling. And then, and then that at least is, uh, we can maybe, um, put, you know, once the, once that's separated from the, the main part of the house, then we can kind of make a place for them to at least possibly land, uh, do some little bit of remodeling in that and just make like a tiny home for now until, uh, we can move, move on and see what's next. So like, I mean, the main thing is, is the, I think the whole place is probably close to 3,500 square feet, uh, that has got to be yanked out. Like I said, it's, it's a regular, you know, double wide and then porches that were extended on and, you know, then turned into home, <laughs> turned into bedrooms and then turned into living rooms. And 
And uh, so that's kind of where we're looking at right now is just the, 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 the major uh, cost to upfront is really, which that I hope we can really get taken care of. I mean, we're going to figure it out one way or another. So with the GoFundMe and, and, you know, that getting started, we really appreciate that okay. uh, happening and uh, that at least to, to give us a start on uh, taking care of mom's place. Never and, be, and, uh, uh, talking about taking a, talking about a GoFundMe that's going to demolish my childhood home. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> to even say. Yeah, it's, it's humorous and not it's, you know, the gallows humor. Um, and I know there's some people on the board that are like, yeah, this is a little sad, but it, it is. And sometimes, as I say, real life gets in the way of our of our little clown show at times. But this is, you know, these are these are things that are part of our community. These are part of this is, is. you know, the, the, the Yulbaris have been not just a part of Smashbox, but a part of disc golf and Arizona and, you know, forever for a long time. I mean. Uh, yeah, Pete's done you know, the, the drone flyovers that you see at many of the <laughs> the post-production coverage. And Paul's been on this show forever. And and, and just, you know, we, we all know, you know, how big the family is. And uh, it's so just as we were saying, there is a GoFundMe out there. We'll put it in our show notes. It is also in our chat on YouTube. Um, if you can, if, if, you, if you have some that you would, you know, help out Pat and Sean with, um, by all means. And, 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 you know, it's bad things happen to a lot of people. And we, you know, we, we do see a lot of GoFundMes and and Pat has been, I, I think I've said this a thousand times about different people's parents and live broadcasting. I loved watching Pat. She would watch whenever Paul's on the live or, you know, I would say Pete, but Pete, you're not on our live. We get Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever, whenever Paul's on the live broadcast, Pat would be up there. You know, she would be, she'd be on there chatting and, and, you know, they're they're members of our community. And if we can help out by all means, we do. Yeah. And uh, I'll go ahead and say, uh, also it's been started by Marty, uh, Marty, who's been a, a, a staple in the Arizona scene, uh, I, and I see a that, live commentator, and a live Paul commentator. Yep, yep. I think Pete and uh, and Paul both jumped in at one point or another. So uh, Marty's got things organized and is all out there available. I see one of our smashies, Tim. Uh, you already jumped on and donated. So Tim, we appreciate that so much. As I'm and as I'm sure they do as well. So uh, thank you guys. Uh, we'll continue to share it. Uh, I'll follow it up. Of course, the GoFundMe is available and and we hope to see that continue to grow is there anything else that can be done and, and i i asked that of your mom and i know she's you know in the middle of, of probably a million things but is there anything else that the disc golf community at large can be doing to assist you guys and your mom is there uh, anything else uh, aside from gofundme um you know uh when no, go I ahead Paul. Like, you have you know, my mom no, my mom just is at every tournament she can possibly be at. And as she's at the tournament, you know, she shows up beforehand, hours before. She watches all the women's coverage. She loves watching Katrina play. She loves watching Jen Allen play. Afterwards, she'll go to lunch, dinner with all kinds of people. I mean, I've, I've showed up to places to eat late at night, and my mom's there with all kinds of people eating. I mean, she's just you know, part of the, part of that scene. And, uh, it's sad to see her go through this, um, for sure. But, you know, I have no doubt that the community is going to come together and just, you know what, if you've ever met her, send her a good message, 
saying saying them for or or whatever. I mean that stuff goes a long ways, period. Which I know a lot of you guys have, but um, that's basically all I would say. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's been one of the coolest things is that disc golf itself, and um, I suppose everybody out there watching and listening and has ever paid much attention why I tend to believe that a majority of why a lot of us love this sport is the community. And, um, you know, it's a lot funner to play with people than it is to play by yourself. And so community makes up a large aspect of, uh, uh of this sport. Yeah. But see, like I'm, I'm a little different than you, Paul, because you'd rather just whoop up on me on the course. And I'd rather just give you a hug. <laughs> well, he'll give you a hug after he whoops up on you. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, Real quick, yeah. out on that, the board. How about that mean? <laughs> out on the board, and, and you know, I know this. This doesn't. This isn't necessarily for our audio listeners, but if you're watching live, um, Beacon Sports says that they will match up to five hundred dollars. That anything that's given in the next hour. So it is currently awesome. thank you ten ten fifty one um, here in the oh, Central Time great. Zone. Um, so if if you if you are thinking about it and you're on the board, you know Beacon Sports will match. So please, by all yeah, means, appreciate that. Thank you that so much. Appreciated. Yeah, and, hey, and uh, Terry. Yeah, go ahead, Pete. I'm, I'm just going to go. Uh, Terry, Johnny, Paul. Um, it is my 25th anniversary. And 20, <laughs> I'll get there one it day. It feels like 25. You just right? aged that 13. many more years, huh? I, I, I use that number a lot for the home. Um, it's it's my anniversary. I have yes. some dinner waiting. Yes. It's really important to me for, to go for that. Thank you, everybody, for um, for considering. Take care of your people at home too. Um, Paul, love you, brother. We'll talk to you later. Love you, you buddy. Guys. Happy anniversary to you guys. You Happy too, anniversary. Man. See you guys. See ya. All right. So, um, as we were just, you know, I was about to say to to ta- uh, tag on to what you just said, Paul. Um, y- your mom has always been such a, a huge supporter of so many competitors, and whether it's FPO, MPO, it doesn't matter. And there's oftentimes she's not following you around. She'll go follow another group around she's she obviously has yeah. uh friends that she's made in addition uh to just being out there to support her sons she goes out there and watches a lot of other golf and is always you know one of those rays of sunshine at the end of the round that says hey when you're ready you know let's all go get cleaned up and then yeah let's go catch dinner or let's go uh you know all hang out at this other place or whatever and it's it's truly one of the highlights of of usually going to Arizona or sometimes being in other states but going to Arizona and and I'll I'll just say what I said earlier when your mom knew that I was coming to the memorial a few weeks ago and was going to bring the largest crew that we've had for post, she very quickly volunteered up essentially her accommodations that she had locked in and said, Hey, you and your crew are a better suit for this. I'll go find a different solution so that you guys can make the most out of, you know, what was presented in front of her. And uh, of course, couldn't be more gracious and, and thankful and, just the amount of support and love, um, you know, that her, her and, and the whole family have always, you know, I think it spills out to a lot of people. I'm not special. I'm just one of the lucky people that has gotten, um, you know, to, to, uh, be part of her generosity and, and the love that comes from your family. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't want to call it irony, but 
the fact that she was helping with accommodations to then go home and, and eventually have struggles with her house just uh, is, is terrible. So certainly make sure you guys spread the love and um, the support as much as you possibly can. I know you've already supported her and, and I know your, your mom, as much as everyone's caring and loving, she also uh, loves to stand on her own two feet. So I'm sure maybe there's even a little hesitation uh, in accepting help, but, I feel like we need to we need to force our help upon them. Is that a fair way to put it? Absolutely. I mean, um, especially you know when you're established like them, and you know, yeah, who who would want, who would want that? I know I, I I wouldn't as well. And that's a it's just such a tough situation to be in. Um, can't understand it because I ha- I don't I've I barely owned a home for two months or three months. But if this thing went up in smoke, you know, I don't even know how I'd feel about it. So much less 30 years of family in it and all that stuff. But enough of the of the negative. You know what? She's she's safe and fine. I think it takes three minutes of smoke inhalation to legitimately die. And that didn't happen. And that and that could have very easily happened if she just closed her eyes and went to bed. So I I'm a type of. uh glass you know completely full type of guy and and so when i call when she called me and i telling me that the house was burning down my first thing was like you're not in there are you like (laughs) get away from there type thing and so the fact that she was safe was my number one priority first of all and then you know obviously they the house is gone but my mom's everything's gonna be fine we'll figure it out yeah. And as they say, and I know it feels sometimes a little hollow, but yeah, uh, you know, things can be replaced. And clearly the fact that uh, she and Sean, Sean probably uh, was working at the time. So she and Sean are safe and, you know, still have your their health is is the fir- very first starting point. Yep. And we can all build off of that. So. So. Um, as Pete said, that's what, um, you know, we're going to see them, you know, start to, to get a plan together to have some living quarters and work from there. Um, for you, what, what does, what is moving forward here in 2022 look like? Uh, are, are you, is there any alterations to your plans in terms of where you're traveling, when you're traveling, um, anything out of the ordinary for you? No, I mean, like I said, pro tours, majors, uh, and that's what I got going on. I don't see that changing um, in the future uh, as long as I just get healthy. You know, I'm number one priority. I feel good. The ankle is getting better. Um, I just, when you're trying to compete at the top level, you got to be spot on. We're seeing new winners, new faces, people getting better every single weekend tight fields and when you're just not spot on you're going to get lost in the field and that's what's been happening to me you know lately and like I've never even told anybody about my injury just because I'm not that guy you know I really I really feel like I can be injured and beat most people (laughs) but this one's kind of got me shook you know I've just been kind of all over the place and I don't like blaming things on anything except for what is. And I've never played this bad in my life. So I have to like, you know, take a step back and just quit being stubborn and, and be like, all right, 
be fine. You know, you're, you're a little injured, you'll heal and, and I'll be right back where I was before. So you just spoke of a moment ago, you know, how, how stiff the competition has get has gotten. And specifically, one, one individual, of course, Gannon, very much a conversation at LVC. Uh, he, he's going to continue to be a rising star. I think that's just a given for anyone to say. But then we've also seen uh, another somewhat of an unscripted surprise in Luke Humphreys really coming into his own at the first two events of the year. What, what do you have to say about where Luke has transitioned from his previous role into now saying, Hey, wait a minute. I, I can throw a disc too, and the whole world should see it. No, I love it. You know, one of the things I've noticed about, about Luke is his simplicity of his, the simplicity of his game is really brilliant. It's quite brilliant. It reminded me of myself back in the day of how I would pick a part courses, uh, seemingly just kind of like, backhand sidearm technician technician make all your 25 footers and we saw him do really well in vegas which it requires that when it gets windy by the way if you have both sides of the disc and lock down mm-hmm. you can pick apart courses and, and the wind doesn't affect you as much so that's one of the things that i saw him being able to remain calm as well like his style of play is just kind of stick to himself do his own thing and stay kind of in that zone. I mean, it's a style of going to keep him in contention, especially in bad weather situations like we saw in the last two tournaments as far as Vegas and here. I mean, Vegas, the final round, he shot 13 under par with no wind. So it's not like it's just I'm saying that he plays good in, in bad conditions, but the way that he's picking apart the courses is simplifying everything and it's it's quite brilliant really I, I think it's a fair question can he keep it up do do you see him are you picking him in the top five or top 10 the rest of the year i mean he he said that these first two courses were two of his least favorite on tour and now he's going into courses he actually likes you know when i look at like for example um waco i see a lot of a lot of backhand and then short uh, hyzer sidearm approaches which is his strong suit and moving forward you look at the tournaments are going to get longer um i don't know what the texas state championships is going to look like but as they get longer those approaches are going to have to get longer as well in vegas isn't a long course it really isn't they're short par fours there's a lot of chip shot sidearm birdies so it's to be determined. I mean, my job as a commentator and an analyst as well is is to say what I think. And so I think it's going to be tough for him to take that game and keep every single location on tour. What I fear is that the game will change. I think he'll have great finishes, top 10 finishes, if he sticks to what he's doing right now. And eventually a game like that and consistent play will net him a title. It's having the patience to just stick to what he's doing now through the duration of the of the season which is really tough especially when you have a weekend where maybe that style of play doesn't get you to where you want to be you're you're as in well you're as knowledgeable about this as anyone so what 
what does it mean to be doing to try and play and then be doing post production commentary? What does that look like, and what does that mean for everyone at home that may not understand? the dynamic of what goes down and how that shapes and molds your weekend. Oh man, it's crazy. Uh, basically like this last weekend, for example, I was teeing off very early. And so my commentary gig was getting done around, I was getting in bed and asleep around two thirty-three, And then I was teeing off at, at one point I teed off at nine forty in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I play well, then obviously I have to sleep, but it's a pretty crazy schedule. I mean, my week kind of goes travel day on Monday. I do practice round filming for Jomez on Tuesday. Um, Wednesday's my practice day, which luckily we're on a, uh, that provides one course for us to practice. So, I get a little practice on Tuesday. I get practice on Wednesday, however much I need. And then I play sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But, you know, with my situation now, I have to rest the body. So Thursday's a rest day. Then Friday we play and then up till three and then back at it again the next day. So it's a pretty crazy schedule, honestly. Uh, And for all the fans out there at home, do you anticipate being part of the Jomez commentary pretty much every event then this year? Is that, and how does that ever get changed up? Is there anything that people might be a little surprised by one way or another? No, no, I've, I've uh, definitely given my word that I will be part of that commentary crew at every event that they will be at. Just with your injury, you you talked about not taking time off from the game, wh- wh- whether you need it or not. Do some of your sponsorships and obligations, d- does that weigh heavier on you? I mean, thinking that, oh, well, you know, maybe I do need to take three or four weeks off. Maybe uh, that would be better for my ankle, for my elbow, for whatever, you know, tendonitis I have. Uh, or would you would you still tour and not play? Or do you feel like, those obligations to sponsors and Jomez push you to play maybe when you shouldn't. So I've, I've been getting treatment while on tour. Um, I've definitely get been getting medical advice from professionals. It's not like I'm just doing this decision <laughs> on my own and I'm playing on a broken ankle and they told me not to, you know, I've gotten the green light to play. Uh, as far as the tendonitis, that takes time there's a couple steps that I've been taking during the tournaments and stuff to where, you know, I've been getting acupuncture and different things like that that have really helped. Uh, I just needed like a, a week off really. Um, I have Texas States. I'll play that tournament and then I have two weeks to heal up and I'm, I feel like that's going to be plenty of time for me to get going. I mean, if Texas States was back to back to back again, I would probably skip the event. Yes. But because I get this week of rest, I haven't had a week of rest in two months. I I flew from here to run a tournament in Idaho. I played that weekend. And then I was at the all-star event. I played that whole week. Then I went to Vegas, then Memorial and then Waco. So my month has been insane. I get the week off. Um, 
and then you know i'm hoping to i i got a treatment today i felt great right afterwards uh it's and then texas state so after after that definitely going to take uh you know that two weeks and make sure that i'm ready for the champions cup because that that's you know the the big one the more important one you got you know how i am i don't really i don't want to say i don't care about these other tournaments because i do (laughs) but my eyes are on on the majors and and that's really it at this point in my career i've checked off all the goals that i could ever imagine you know as far as my career going winning a major is the last one that i need to check off so that's where my focus will be and you I'll make damn sure I'm healthy and ready to go at that one. Yeah. And to follow that up specifically, you know, there was a lot of conversation about the major originally and then, you know, how they announced what the format was going to be, but then feedback or otherwise, it was uh, ultimately changed up. And if I recall, or if I maybe remember seeing some commercials or something, you were there, you were involved in some of those continued conversations, weren't you? Give us spill the tea, I think, as the kids say, what, what are some of those details and, and what were those conversations like? Um, yeah, so it was, it was a lot of conversations with players. It was conversations with the PDGA, with, uh, different people. I mean, tournament directors, all that stuff. And I'm, I'm not going to go into detail because you want to stir any sort of pot or whatever, but basically we all came together and we decided that, stroke play was the best way to play major championships and i think that when they first dropped the news that it wasn't going to be that they started losing quality players to play that tournament and i think ultimately we you know we can't have that right now in disc golf and when the best players playing at the at the major championships and i think that was the ultimate decision that was the correct one and and just to be clear, that is a straight up what four round stroke play tournament. All four rounds, WR Jackson. Is that is that right? Mm-hmm. So, what That's in right. your eyes makes that? I guess I'll follow it up and then say, well, what makes that a major versus any other event that's taking place? As far as anything like. I mean, we've had tournaments at the IDGC. Um, it's a great course, obviously. There's a lot of great courses there. But how, how do you feel like it's special or unique in any capacity? The IDGC, oh, as far as a major, well, uh, the, there was redesign for sure. Uh, there's some redesigns going on there to where they made the course better. The maintenance crews out there... Um, even when I was there, and this was months and months ago, doing work on all kinds of things, cutting down limbs, making sure it was spectacular. Um, they're also adding uh, countless spectator areas for people to go finally and be able to go into the woods and watch without, you know, being distracted or uh, or being a distraction. Um, I mean, I, I I really feel like what better place than the IDGC? I mean, that's like where everything is happening for the most part, as far as if you're going to call it a PDGA major championship, that's the international disc golf center. And it, 
we, we had one back in the day, but that, you know, the disc golf wasn't as popular back then. Now we have, you know, thousands of people who want to spectate. You need camera crews, you need all that stuff. And I, and I think they're taking big time steps to make sure that all of that, those accommodations are going to be met in tenfold. Everybody's going to be comfortable. Uh, they're making the courses better, fair, more fair. I mean, we did walkthroughs after walkthroughs to make sure, you know, we would um, get to a hole and they'd ask me about a tree. And I would say, no, that's a horrible tree. And then they would had there was a certain instance, I won't say the hole, but they were like, what? We kind of like that there. And I'm like, no, it's not a fair tree. And they're like, well, why? And so I grabbed a disc, threw it down the fairway, hit the tree. And they're like, that shot was perfect. And I'm like, I know that that tree shouldn't be there. And then they go, well, we're not taking it out. And then, and then I go, well, what if I hit it again? And this is like way down the fairway. And they go, if we, if you hit it again, then we'll agree that it's a bad tree. Sure enough, threw it right out of my hand, hit that tree. I, I'm going to tell you this, if that tree's still there, <laughs> when I get to that major this year, no, I'm just kidding. But they were very open. They were very open to the opinion of the player you know, and, and being the chair of the players committee, that's why, you know, I was out there. They wanted to make sure that, you know, everything's done right. And that's probably one of the first times that that's been done to where they're asking, you know, players, what we need, what we want. Well, I'm certainly excited, of course, going to be covered on the disc golf network and uh, four rounds at it. W Jackson, I mean, gives you guys time to make up for mistakes, but it's going to be four long days uh, and hopefully some really yeah, good golf when it's all said and done. <laughs> yeah. I, I got, I, Hey, I got to walk it probably twice. If we're going to have FPO in the morning, MPO in the afternoon. Well, yeah. Twice a day. Yeesh. All right. So uh, in the regular sh- or earlier in the show, I alluded to some exciting things that are coming along. You're, you know, you're jumping on the bandwagon of being all philanthropic and being a nice guy and doing neat stuff. You're jumping on that bandwagon. And sure enough, we got a Uliberry Leadership Institute. Break it down. Tell us what that means to the world. Uh, how do people you? get involved in and what it means to you and how it came about? Oh, so we're talking about the Uliberry Leadership Foundation. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a foundation. Yeah, it's, uh, the the institute is just a website where I give my lessons. Okay. Um, in the oh, okay. Thank you for the clarification. Um, the yep, the Leadership Foundation is uh, something that I work this whole off season off with my lawyer to yeah come up with a uh, a foundation to where you know I'm going to be trying to get scholarship money for not only the collegiate program, but other scholarships to where any disc golfer who is in college can make, do applications, send in applications to try to get funding for school. Okay. So that's basically it in a nutshell. I mean, yeah. And I think of that is, I mean, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but I, I very much liken that to a grant in a lot of ways in that you're applying for something very specific yep. to a very, you know, to a, with one piece of unified framework is what I'm trying to spit out. And so people yes. can apply to this. Um, what are, what are some of the things that you guys will be looking at and taking into consideration? And then do you know roughly 
how many potential recipients a year there could be? How does how does how does some of those details work? Uh, right now, I'm um, faced with coming up with a structure of leadership for the foundation to make sure that you know we check all those boxes. Right now, the only thing that I have, and I know this for certain, is that we'll be um, donating all of the money that I made during this off season given lessons, which is right around eight grand. And we'll be giving that to both the men's collegiate winner in the singles division and to the FBO winner uh, of the collegiate program this year. And cool. so I'll be making a trip over there in my time off um, to kind of, you know, get that, get that going. So, um, you know, this idea came from when I was a kid, I had a scholarship to play at a I turned it down to play disc golf and I've always wondered like maybe I should have stayed in school especially when you got a busted ankle and you're taking last place every weekend <laughs> um, you said it not us and uh, if <laughs> if somebody hey, facts are facts you know is faced with a similar decision you know I see it yeah you see all these kids out here playing there's not one time I've even heard any of the media ask if they're in school or what they're doing uh and that kind of bugs me at just because i was one of those kids you know and i didn't have anything there was no prospect of going to school to play disc golf and so if i can provide some sort of help or or incentive for these kids to you know be like wow i can actually go to go to college and i mean my dream is to some someday provide a kid with full funding for their whole school for four years or six years or however many years they want to go do that. As long as they make the qualifications, whatever those are, which we will come up with, you know, a fair program to where you can apply. But I mean, that, those are where my goals at. And I feel like when I set goals, I usually, you know, come pretty close to reaching those. So, you know, this can be really big. Uh, the collegiate programs in any other sport are huge. We're watching the NCAA March Madness right now. You know, all those kids are in school and all of those kids are on full rides. I guarantee that for the most part. Um, and we don't have any of that in disc golf. And I feel like those are the steps that we need to take to, you know, push the sport forward is to get collegiate athletes, you know, because what's the let's say a, a great athlete like Kayla Visca is in school, what's he going to choose basketball or, or disc golf, you know, and we're losing out on these athletes. But if we can somehow, you know, start this, have something for it, I feel like other schools will follow and that will start falling into place to where maybe a will or a school on their own will give a kid a full ride. And then we have big collegiate programs. So, it starts somewhere, and, and um, hopefully, this is a small stepping stone in that direction. That's my. Dream. I I feel like we, as the sport continues to grow and become more successful, and more money is getting thrown into it, playing disc golf professionally today means you could be winning anywhere from twenty to fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, depending on who you are and how well you're playing. Ten years ago 
you know, our best professionals were, weren't scraping together, you know, $29,000 and they were probably covering most of their own expenses at the time. So we've definitely grown, we'll say in the last decade. So my question though to you is when you look at a Gannon Burr specifically, he's 16, he, he, he already has admitted that he thinks high school is getting in his way and it's kind of annoying, I think is, is his phrase. He just lives and breathes disc golf and he loves it and he's passionate about it and clearly he's talented at it. Do we, are we faced like every other sport? Are we faced with that decision of, well, but I could go play disc golf. College will always be there. I want to play disc golf. I'm, I'm one of the best players in the world at the age of 18 or 19 or 20. And I want to ride that tour life. Do you have any words of advice? Do you, do you feel like you're going to sway anyone one way or another? No, I think I, I feel like that's up to his parents and, and him to make that decision. Of course. I mean, I made the decision and, I just, I just left and went and went for it. It worked out for me, but like I said, not everybody's like me. Not everybody's like Gannon. A lot of people, you know, we, we would see a lot more of Anthony Barella if he didn't have those goals to go get an education and and go to ASU. And and that kid's one of the more talented people in our sport. Um, And he's doing it, you know, while being in school. So it's possible to do, to do that. Um, And so I feel like it's up to the person, but just to say that they're, you know, we're using Gannon Burr as a, as a reference. I mean, there's a bunch more kids I guarantee playing in college right now who wish they could do chasing, chasing an edge. So why, why can't disc golf help with that as well? Not only a career path, but get them, Mm -hmm. you know, an education. No, I, I'm 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 with you because there will always be outliers like a Gannon Burr that maybe college isn't the right solution. Even even if they're and I'm I'm not I don't know Gannon other than sure. outside of disc golf. But when you say you know is college the right decision? Maybe it's not the right decision for Gannon, regardless of how smart he is. Disc golf is going to be the better career move. But there will always be people like you or I, Terry, that you know maybe we could have gotten a disc golf scholarship. And we weren't go- we weren't probably going to go on tour, even in today's age. You know, a, a nine sixty, a nine seventy rated player isn't right for the tour, and but they might be right for a collegiate scholarship, a collegiate path, and maybe they can work on getting to the point where they get to a a, a tour ready player, just like in all these other major sports we see, where you know they, we know that there are some basketball players that are in it for a year, they're a year and out, that's it. They don't really want to be there. You know, they're kind of mm-hmm. forced into it, just like, you know, some football players and they don't care about the school. But there are a lot of athletes that go to school and use football as a as a stepping stone to get a education that will that will never make the NFL. Yeah, and, I think, it, and I think disc golf is the same exactly. way. No, what you're 100 percent hitting it on the head. I mean. Not everybody's going to be a success story. You know, I, I realize now that I'm a lucky one. You know, I dropped everything and did it, and I had a great opportunity on one hand, and I took, you know, disc golf, and uh, it ended up working out really well for me. But not, like I said, not everybody's like me. Not everybody's like Gannon, and there are kids out there that maybe they, through that they can become that player, you know. But maybe through disc golf, you know, just going 
something out there, maybe that's too much. In the beginning stages of something really great, I really believe that with disc golf in general. And to not explore different avenues of growing it, it would be a travesty. And that's, and that's my goal is I want, you know, I want to see kids come out of college. I want to put kids through, through college if, if we possibly can with this foundation. And if we can, that's going to bring more spotlight, you know, on the collegiate level. I mean, that can't not help the sport. I'm going to force my kid to just putt in the backyard to mm-hmm. get the college to get the Uli College scholarship. Yep, make him sign up for it. Like, I don't know who that is. I don't care, kid. You throw frisbees, get his money. <laughs> that's that's not the Paul you always talk about. <laughs> Shut up, kid. Yeah, he's giving out free money. Yeah, don't, say, don't say that out loud. <laughs> what what is it? Because at some point you're going to be that, looking. Why, that is, why is that so true? Why do I feel like you said that? Uh, that's not how daddy that's not how you spell Macbeth. you all i be uh, uh, so at some point you're going to be especially when you're just getting started you're going to be looking at some of these applications some of these uh submissions that are coming in right off the top of your head what are some of the things that uh, will appeal to you the most uh that you're going to be looking for when when people are applying for these you know it's quite great question because i I don't know i'm i I have to do a lot of research on other uh grants other scholarships and and what that entails and how they qualify for those i'm i'm in an area that um I have the idea. I've launched it. It has money in there. I'm giving it away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and as far as the applications go, that's going to be a process that I have to take in this off season to make sure that I, I dot all my I's and cross all my T's because I want to make sure that whoever's getting it, one deserves it, but also qualifies in the ways that, you know, the I guess the community really, it would benefit them the most. And I don't know what that looks like because I don't know how other grants work. That's something I have to educate myself on, which is something I look forward to educating myself on. But once that's done, you know, I'm also going to have other people in my corner to help me kind of have that vision and and keep me locked in. Like I said, I didn't go to school. So I got to have I got to have the brains around me to be able to to keep me focused and and make sure that I don't make a mistake as far as any of that stuff goes. So I can't answer those questions now, but I do know it's happening and kids are going to get some money to go to college. And I'll follow that up That's with great. with you getting a little bit of help and uh guidance and assistance. Uh I've been following along on the TikToks, a uh, little uh, lawyer who I believe you've been interacting with and uh, who's been helping you out. Describe uh, who that is, what that means, what you've been working on, and and how everyone else could get up to speed. Yeah, Chris Clark, that's um, discgolf.law, and he is the man. I mean, he's helped me in so many different ways with all kinds of things. Um, he's been the brains of this whole thing uh he did all the documentation for um you know the foundation he's also their documentation for different things um he's gotten patents for me he's gotten 
just whatever, whenever I have a smarts question, he's who I call, <laughs> you know, and he, he's, he's there to answer. He's, he's just been great. I mean, if you guys, if you have any sort of questions with anything to do with law, I mean, they are the people to go to. They're, they're phenomenal. I mean, I'm um, so generous with their time. Great rates. That's my plug. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Drop um, the name Yuli for a oh, 5% discount. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to have the right people in your corner. Um, it, I've never been the smartest person in the room, but I've always tried to like make sure that I have those people in my corner to help me. And this is, you know, Chris is that person and, and I'm, super excited that I got to partner up with him on this project. He's going to be on the board of, of the foundation. So I have, you know, professional help and I make sure I don't break any laws. I don't know if you can break any laws by giving away money, but yeah, you, know, you can, uh, I've learned. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't be doing that because he, he's going to be helping me um, with all of that stuff. And, yeah, I mean, that's about all I could say about that. I mean, he's just amazing. And if you don't have a lawyer and you're a disc golfer out there, you need to get one. Money's too important nowadays, especially with contracts. I mean, we see people breaking their contracts, it seems like, every year in disc golf. And people don't know why. You got, you got to have that, you know, if you're going to get that bag, you need to make sure that, it's yours and and you're obligated to whatever the track says and make sure that, you know, you hold to that. And the only way to know for certain is if you have a lawyer on your side, make it ironclad. Yeah. Which has been really interesting because our sport continues to grow up. It continues to mature and we're seeing real money. I mean, real, real money come along and we're seeing these relationships and these contracts and negotiations all become more and more serious. And it's evolved from handshakes and to, to then, you know, finally something written sometimes for a year to now multi-year with multi-million dollars all involved. And so clearly you want to make sure you're, as you said, your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. That's and, why I'm glad all the Smashbox paperwork has my name on it. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and, and honestly, I think um, I, I think for a long time our sport has somewhat even purposely avoided lawyers because it almost felt maybe too stuffy or too formal. But now I think the money is just too big to ignore that we need the professional, you know, legalese that's there that goes along with all of this. Yeah, I mean, I I explain it like this to other kids who ask me why it's important is it's a language you don't know. And if you don't know that language, that's that's on you if you get a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are up for hire. Translators are up for hire. Yeah. And if you if you you want to risk it, then that then that's on you. But there's a reason that lawyers make a lot of money because that's hard, and you have to go to school, which you can do <laughs> under the Uliberry Foundation. <laughs> All right. Uh, um, but, but it's, it's more important than people think. And, and all jokes aside, 
I highly recommend it. And if you don't do it, I, I think you're foolish. I really do. So a couple of your partnerships, let's talk about those briefly. Uh, of course, you're continuing to do, continuing to do your work with Jomez. Uh, we'll see plenty of that as the year goes on. But then this weekend, I feel like we saw the new commercial debut. You're working even more closely with Zuka. Also see you continuing to do your work mm-hmm. with Bushnell. Uh, Ledgestone, I know also a significant partner and supporter and sponsor of yours. Uh, anything else in the works that's, uh, that the world should know about? No, I mean, I have uh, pastry dyes. They were mm-hmm. with you at a memorial, and, they, yep. and they've been a, a nice partner. But no, I, I'm constantly looking, you know, and have my eyes open. But, you know, I just signed the five-year deal with Discraft, which was huge. Um, that's going to take me in almost into my forties. So got them. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, like two knees and a hip away for you. Yeah. They didn't want to renegotiate after this weekend. Right. You're like, whoo, whoo, got that done before Waco. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. Um, and know that, so that's awesome. Uh, you know, I'm working on a, a long-term deal with Ledgestone as well. And I, I feel really great about the people I've teamed up with. I mean, I, I can't think of uh, better partners, honestly. Like, I, I am super happy with who's on my team and who I've partnered up with. And they've, I feel like, you know, they're at the top of the sport in all kinds of different categories. So I, I feel privileged, honored, blessed um, that I made the right moves when I did. And that's gotten me to to where I am. I mean, I got my own. I got my own little. What do you? you neon. You've got your neon neon light. backlight. Yeah, neon yeah. backlight. Right. Neon. I, mean. si- I got my own neon sign, dude. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't get any. You know, it doesn't get any. Better. I know. Look at us schmucks. You know, seven no years later, sign. we're still dealing with a cloth backdrop that doesn't even light up. I mean. I've thought you're about, not supposed to tell them that it's a cloth backdrop. <laughs> oh, dang it. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I can't even reach it. I mean, we're so broke. I've, I, sometimes I got to take that down and I have to curl up in it next to uh, next to the fireplace just because just to keep warm because I can't even. Oh, it, yeah. It doubles up as a blankie. I was looking. I was looking at the chat. I was looking at the chat. I saw all those donations. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Our our gracious uh, thirty dollars that has come in tonight. We appreciate that, and we sincerely do actually. Because someday our backdrop will light millions up. And maybe, millions. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, um, no, we can't afford those those, those six digit numbers like Mister Jomez. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> uh, jeez. Uh, so, it, I mean, I guess talking about that real quick, do you feel like you have, I, I mean, do you have a contract with them? Is it a year long? Is it just an agreement? Are is it two years? If they sign a two-year agreement, are you going to be do. with them for two yeah. years? I did. I signed a two-year, I believe it's a two-year agreement with them. Awesome. That's great. And was how- it awkward when Jerm only got the one year agreement? <laughs> He's week by week. It was a little weird. <laughs> we didn't. Hopefully, he's not watching. So. He's not. If we know he's not. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I, I, is there anything we haven't covered? I, I mean, I'm, we're looking forward to a huge 2022 here, but I feel like with all the stuff you go, have going on, and the fact that we're going to see you week in and week out. Yeah. 
how does Macbeth keep winning? Oh, oh, no, seriously, Ouch. you're the team captain. Ouch. He's, uh, he's he just. Yeah. I mean, we've seen so many players, and the competition is so tight. But that guy just keeps outperforming everybody. What is he doing? You know, it's something you just can't teach. You know, on in in sports, period. Like you look at a Tom Brady or a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James or whatever, and some people just have a show sauce. And he's, you know, he's one of those guys that he's always had it. He refined it and he stuck to it. And that game improves but he refines his skill so well that he does the same thing every week and you expect the same thing. And when he, like, you know, there's people that say that he's been putting bad, which I believe he has been and he's still winning. So imagine if he could get the circle two back up to like 2015, where it seemed like his putter never hit the ground one time. The, The scary thing is, is he could still get better. And that's what drives him and drives people like him. Not only is he insanely talented and really good at disc golf, but he wants to get better. And he has the knowledge of winning, which a lot of people, every single person in the division does not have that much knowledge of the most important thing, which is how to close a tournament. And he has that with experience. So when you ask why he keeps winning, he's the best at it because he has the most experience at it. And I feel like that's the special sauce is he knows how to close it down to where, you know, we didn't see Dickerson is obviously a great champion. He's one of the best players in the world. But after a few holes, he was up by like five or six, four strokes over Dickerson. Who was there on that card really pushing him that final round? Nobody. I mean, Luke went bogey or double bogey bogey to start. He was already long gone. And he obviously made a comeback and got second place. But that's the thing that I see Macbeth do more than anything is he knows how to win. He's patient. He knows when to attack, when not to attack, because he's been in those situations so many times over and over and over to where I might get into that situation and make the wrong decision just because they've never been there. Mm-hmm. Not because they're bad, just because they thought, no, I need to push right now because he's never going to miss. Paul has already seen it happen time and time again, so easier to make those correct decisions in that moment. And I think that that gets overlooked in his game is that he's smarter than everybody on the course. I really believe that. Uh, and I think a lot of people that are familiar with them would say that was a lot of the similar characteristics that you found out of Climo, like just mentally could outplay a lot of competitors. And yes, it was self-perpetuating that he'd win and then he'd have more confidence in going into the next scenario and the next win. But Ken Climo was always thinking, you know, four steps ahead of everybody else, you know, and, and when he's on the fairway of 13, he's also taking note of the, wind that's on the fairway of 18 that's you know a fairway over and was always just thinking ahead a few steps of everyone else taking everything into consideration and it seems as if you know paul has a lot of those similar traits some people are 
in the moment of that shot and literally nothing else. And some people are able to think about that and, and execute, but then also have another level of, of mind power that they're concerning themselves with. And I think a lot of it is also just, he doesn't, you know, we we've seen players like Gannon Burr at LVC who towards the end, you could tell he was getting tight. Macbeth doesn't do that because I know it sounds silly and he, he wants to win every event, but those elite series events, it's win or nothing. So he doesn't get, I don't feel like he gets very nervous. Like, Oh, I'm going to win this. Oh, guess what? I guess I'm not going to win this, but I'm going to try my damnedest to get there. He, he doesn't get tight anymore at these regular events. And I I can't necessarily say the same thing for majors. Um, I don't know the scenario, but for these regular elite series events, I feel like he has such an advantage over almost every other player out in that course in that, you know, m- maybe just him and Ricky that are just like, yeah, uh, I can, I can stay relaxed down the stretch because if I win, it's just another notch. If I don't, there'll be another one. I'll, I'll be in the same position in two weeks. Well, guys. When the, <laughs> it's, it's crazy because when those two bat and that's, and that's a great point, Johnny is, is when, when Paul's battling other players, um, for example, if you watch the Jomez footage, you know, Luke said out loud, like, it's going to take me forgetting that Paul, Kale, and Dickerson are on my card. Mm-hmm. Because that's a real piece of the puzzle, is when you're playing with those guys, they're better than you. And that's because of their finishes. And you have to forget that and play each hole for what it is. You can't play the competitors, you know. And when you watch Paul just completely kind of manhandle that card and it was just over, I felt I felt like it was over as soon as he made that first putt. I was like, okay, Paul's doing his thing and this is over. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that was a big situation there. If he misses that, Luke bogeys, the other guy's kind of bogey and par everybody's struggling right away, but he doesn't, he just makes that. And then he birdies, you know, after the, I, what was it? He birdied seven straight after the third hole. Mm. You don't see that type of, I don't know, nerves with Paul because Ricky wasn't on the card. The only time I've ever seen Ricky, well, not Ricky, but Paul and Ricky get nervous is when they're battling each other. You see them kind of down the stretch, and you can kind of see a little nerves from both of them. But other than that, everybody knows that Paul's the best. Everybody knows that Ricky's the best. It's a given. And if you think that those players are going in there like, no, I'm the best, you know, maybe I you know, I, I uh, forgot about Eagle because he didn't play Waco. So pardon me, but I feel like those three right there, they kind of can bring the nerves out of each other with good play. Sure. Uh, So the board is kind of second guessing or questioning how Luke went after hole 18 on the final round. He was down two and stepped up to the T on 18. He went before Paul, which I think was crucial in this scenario. Uh, he goes before Paul, but he doesn't go to clear the water. He doesn't go for the pin. So to ask the question from the board, do you agree with that? Do you like that play? Do you, what do you make of it? A hundred percent. Because he, here, here's the thing. If you watch the round before, 
you see Luke go for it over the water. And it was a tailwind, and he cleared it pretty easily. Mm-hmm. He almost throws it out of bounds right. But he, was, he wasn't even pin high with it, with its crazy tailwind and a full flex all the way over there. He didn't even make it to the OB with a bad shot because it was a bad shot. He turned. I don't know if you guys remember that, but he turned it way over, and he was only like a couple inches inbounds clearing the water. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the final day, we had a 20-mile-an-hour headwind. Not a tailwind, a headwind. I don't think Luke can make it there. Maybe with a perfect shot on the perfect day, he might be able to clear and give himself a 50-footer. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, him yeah. laying no, I... up gives him a sure, a sure shot at having a chance to throw it in. And if you if you watch the interview with uh, Jomez, he, he said that a few years back, he toed the last hole with a throw-in with his A3 to make cash. So he had a good memory already mm-hmm. of throwing it in. And he made a pretty good run, I feel like. And you never know. Macbeth can mess up his upshot or the next one or the one after that. I just don't think him going for it would give him any sort of advantage. I think he would have just chucked it in the water or lay, or went way short on the right side, barely made it safe. And then, yeah, that that gains nothing. I don't think that Luke. Yeah, I know this because Luke throws it a little bit farther than me from what I've seen this year, and there's no way I could make it that day. I didn't even go for it. I was in a hundredth place. I was like, I don't want to lose my disc. (laughs) I had every reason to go for it. You know what I mean? But it was Mm -hmm. just wasn't possible. Mm -hmm. No, everybody on my card who went for it went directly into the drink. I think I had heard there was one person, basically, it was Kevin Jones, was the only one that made it across the water that day in, in like, I think the late afternoon or something. Just the, 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 the wind just wasn't. There you go. Just wasn't available. And we all know, I'm sure more players probably could have had they really pressed because Kevin's not the further. Kevin throws far. He's not, you know, there are other players that throw sure. as far as Kevin, but just that's a, that's, that, that feels like a desperation play. Um, than anything else. So. Yeah, I think he has a better shot to to it from from yes. laying up. Yeah, th- throwing in a hundred and eighty decision by hundred and eighty to a two hundred foot shot, whatever that is, from that side of the from the left side of the water to the basket is going to be probably higher percentage than you getting the two from the T pad in those conditions. <laughs> I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Jones went on to be literally the only competitor in the field to get the birdie. It said from 16 feet, you know, so somewhere in the middle of circle one. But the only competitor out of all hundred and how many were there, Yuli? Hundred and uh, some. <laughs> Ouch! Was that a subtle? Was that a? <laughs> hey, Yuli, how how many players were there? No, Did you count no. how many were below you? No, no, <laughs> that hurts, no. That hurts, Terry. That hurts. No, uh, not at all. I beat uh, I beat a couple guys. Yeah, no, I you beat, had a great. You second did. Round. There were some DNFs, and then. Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I was going to say top hundred, but I couldn't give you that compliment even. No, no, you had a you, what, you shot like an eight down at second round. Hundred and second, come on, don't sell yourself short. Five. Hundred and second, I got you at on on you disc here. Yeah, 
Oh, I moved up from when I looked. That's awesome. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, that's all forgotten about you. Um, like you said, you know, you're human. And I, I think in a, an event and a course like this further humanizes you. I mean, we know that you can be in contention for a win. And then you can go out and it's possible to have an off weekend. It's possible to let the course beat you up. It proves how tough the course is. It proves how tough and, the competition is. And I know how... I know how good I'm going to play. In no way did I ever think I would ever play good. Like I know that about myself. I I went into Vegas and I you know I told my agent I said, "Man, I'd be lucky to cash this weekend with how I was playing." Like I knew that and I cashed. And I was really happy with it. I didn't play great, but I was able to get some birdies and and cash. I wasn't going in there thinking I would win the tournament. This this weekend, same thing. I didn't see that coming, but in no way am I physically or mentally ready to be in contention at a big tournament. That's that's not, you know, something that's that's something that I'm going to have to build on through the year. Is get to that level? Do I think I can get there? Uh, yeah, a billion percent, I do. But it's a process that I know. I, this is my. 18th season playing disc golf it's my 16th year on tour i've had struggles i know the process and my process has has deemed to be pretty good how difficult is it to be in the top 32 at this year's disc golf pro tour championships how 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 much of a goal is that is that for someone like you in your 16th year, is that just a given that, well, by the time that rolls around, you'll for sure be in that top 32 or is, is that a new goal that players are actually concerning themselves with? Oh, absolutely. I mean, getting into the top 32 for the, for the championship, I I think that's what you're referencing referencing Mm -hmm. is going to be very, very tough um, because there's so many people doing it. I mean, just, for example, my play, I looked at uh, some some stats. My play at a tournament last year, I think I looked up three tournaments just to compare. We played the same courses, and then I looked at like a 2012 or 2010 tournament. My score has was five strokes better from then, and my placing was 25 places worse national tour to national tour. So I got five strokes better, but I like got 30th. And at that national tour, I took like top five, I think. And of course the weather probably wasn't the same or blah, 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 blah. But that shows you like people are good, like really good. You know, like this last weekend, there was a lot of notable names that missed cash. In Vegas, Kale's streak of a billion tournaments ended. Mm-hmm. And right behind him, you know who had to birdie the last four holes to get keep his cashing streak? Nate, Nate Saxton. Sexton. Yeah. It's it's a it's a real thing that it's going to become more and more normal for people to miss cash and have bad showings only because before the level of the touring player was so much higher than the Joe Schmo. That's not the case anymore. You know, Gannon's 16 years old whooping up on everybody. 16. 
Yeah, it's it's really we're, we're seeing different game. It is. And we're seeing the competition rise. We're seeing uh, the seriousness in which it's being taken. We're seeing the money rise. We're seeing the the uh, implications with sponsors. We're seeing all of those things continue to increase and elevate. So maybe that all leads to the next question, which is what's next for our sport? What What's the next big thing that we should be either looking for or concerned about as we're seeing all this growth and all this professionalism increase? What do you feel like, okay, here is the next step. What is that thing or accomplishment or goal? What, what are the, what's that thing? I think it's going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be a big sponsor coming up and boosting up one of these tournaments, like a crazy okay. purse. I feel like that's coming and coming faster than we think. I don't know when or if it's in the next couple years or three years, but I think in that time, there's going to be a tournament where we play for over a hundred thousand dollars and top ten gets you know twenty grand or something. I I don't feel like that's very far off because to the big corporate industry, that's not a lot of money for advertisement. It really isn't. When you look at TV and how much commercials are to just show whatever at like a Super Bowl, like it, it's pennies. That's pennies to the, to the real entertainment world. And I think that's closer than, than, than people might think. I, I would hope so. Only because, you know, we're seeing million dollar contracts with just, the players with their endorsements, there's more money to be made for a company to come in, put a lot of money into a tournament, and then be the sole advertiser of that tournament, whatever that is. I know. I, w- I wonder if we're going to see, because uh, we saw that the Pro Tour finale had two or three big big name sponsors. You had Johnsonville and Guaranteed Rate, and there was one more. Uh, L- was L.L. Bean? I think L.L. Bean had, was, was a sponsor as well. I wonder if we're going to see what you say, uh, someone step up and sponsor the finale, sponsor an individual event, or sponsor the tour. That's, that's my next question, because I think you're right. I think we're going to see a big sponsor step in. I just don't know which avenue they're going to take. If, if, if they see more value in like pumping up one particular event, like, hey, this is going to be you know the, the, the Texas state's uh, barbecue open and we're going to have you know it's we're going to drop a hundred one hundred fifty thousand dollars into this event um this year or if we're going to see somebody's take two to three hundred thousand dollars and give it to the tour and say here's twenty thousand for each event I'm, I'm i don't know i don't know the answer yeah no totally i don't i don't either Bo. i have a feeling that it's coming I feel like the Yuli Foundation is right. <laughs> uh, okay, someday. Yeah. You guys want me to drop a donation? No. You could. No. All right, you leads through school. Maybe put I'll kids put through it school. Up for the collegiate program. There you go. There, there you go. go. So uh, l- let's, as we start to wrap up, uh, give us a few details about A, how can people support the Yuli Foundation? B, how can people follow and support you personally? Yeah, so you can go to my Instagram, one Yuli, and follow me there. I'm also on um, Facebook. You can send me a message uh, through there. I think Facebook has a 
a max of however many people that you can be friends with. But Instagram is the best way to do that. Um, you can go to my YouTube channel, subscribe there. I put out uh, probably two, two, around two videos a month right now. On average, I'm going to try to boost that up, but that's tough with the schedule. So you can go there and watch some nice content. Um, the foundation, I'm, I'm going to be posting all kinds of uh, details on how exactly you can donate and all those things in the next week. So look on my socials. Definitely follow me for those. I'll be posting that through all social media plugs that I have, along with my partners in Discraft, Ledgestone, and, you know, uh, Bushnell, Zuka. They'll all be sharing um, those details um, as well. So all to come in the near future and I am going to get some much needed rest and uh, I'll see you guys on the live feed at Texas States. Yeah, most certainly. You certainly will. Uh, we appreciate you for joining us. Uh, thank you, buddy. We've got uh, round three, right? I, I put in your, uh, <laughs> I put your Instagram out there. Also I'll people get voted in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I put your Instagram out there. Also, I put another link to the GoFundMe uh, so people can go and uh, show some support and love uh, for your mom and your family. Uh, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Thanks for all the insight about the foundation. And we'll, we'll you just keep doing your work, and everybody will just keep tuning in to watch, listen, subscribe. They'll do all those things. You keep doing uh, what you're doing, though. We appreciate it, buddy. You're always welcome here. Always welcome, thank Julie. You. Thank, thank, thank you so much for having me on i miss you guys and thanks for having yeah. my brother on thank you for taking the time to hear the story about my mom and, and what she's going through and to you know offer a hand and help it, it means the world to us it really does especially to, to me and i'll always be grateful for that so um i'll talk to you guys soon and i'll see you in texas all right take Sounds care everybody have a good night thanks good night. see ya all right Paul Ularian, as I said, if you're following along, even if you're listening to it on the audio version, you should be able to uh, go out and find it. Uh, it says, help Sean and Patty, uh, Mama Yuli, uh, recover from fire. It's out there. I think if you uh, use Google, GoFundMe and Yuli, you should be able to find it. Exactly. So, uh, And we continue to see some donations uh, jump in. Also, Chris Cobb. I know Chris has been going through some stuff uh, with his family. He's a big smashy and an all-around uh, amazing uh, guy, I was going to say an Arizonian, Arizonan. Um, but anyway, I know Chris is working through some stuff as well, and, and big hug and love uh, out to you, Chris. We hope you're well, my friend. And um, yeah, just big hug is what is what I can say there. So please go out and uh, find Yuli's uh, mother's GoFundMe out there, and if you want to contribute, we'd appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back to you with the after show. We're going to—that means a giveaway, of course, through our excuse me through our Patreon subscribers. I think we'll it's talk a disc about, member box today. Oh uh, yeah, disc member box. Thanks. Uh, we'll give that away and uh, talk about anything that is other things that are disc golf or non disc golf related. We'll jump into a quick after show and have that action for you. For Paul and Pete Uliberry, along with Johnny V and myself, that's Terry. I'm Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, and our champion guest in Valerie Mondahano. Thank you so much for joining us in the regular show. This has been podcast 394. Don't go anywhere if you're watching live. We'll be right back with the after show. We'll see you then when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. 
If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.